the body's tough. Your body can take a lot. Yeah. It really can. I know. It's your mind. And the second that, that anything gets in your mind that's going to weigh it down or pollute it or make you think a negative way, it'll eat you alive. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to the power of thinking. All right, all right, all right. How's everyone doing? Thank you so much for tuning to the podcast. My name is Brock. I'm the host of Back to Your Story, podcast about real people and real stories. Today we have on the legendary Rick Thorne. Rick's a pro BMXer, musician, comedian, chef, actor, and all around badass. This podcast was really a blast. I uh, there, there was this one moment in the podcast where we were talking about uh, just the 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 time in your life where you can easily give up on something, but if you just sticked with it, the outcome of your own story can change. And so there's this three-year gap in his life where if he would have just quit doing what he was doing, everything would have fallen by the wayside, but he stuck with it. And I always say this quote, I say it all the time, just fucking do it. See the things that you're doing, see it all the way through. And that's what's really awesome about Rick's story is the up and down, but him constantly pushing, constantly trying to make himself better. And that's why he is the man he is today. Uh, there's a couple great things also, a side note, a couple great things coming down the pipeline. We're going to be launching our Patreon, allowing you guys to really contribute and be a part of the story. Uh, you know, up until this point, it's it's been an amazing pleasure to work with the team, but now you guys are going to get a chance to really get some exclusive content, uh, get get some of the, the episodes, you know, a day or two early, get a welcome kit. There's just a lot of great things. And and when we launch, I'll definitely be sharing it. Uh, also be having some merch coming, some BTYS merch. We've got some cool designs in the works right now. And as always, if you want to watch this podcast instead of listen to it, head over to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com backslash back to your story. Definitely subscribe. We're trying our hardest, people. We really appreciate all of you following and listening. And without further ado, here's the story of Rick Thorne. From the land of mystery, where dreams become reality, always listening to stories from the past, the present, and the future. This is back to your story. Man, oh man, a Shevitz. How you doing, Rick? Good, dude. You got a little setup in here. Thank you, bro. It's cooler than, uh, than the Instagram was. Uh, <laughs> it's got all kinds of stuff in here. It's cool. It's cool. What, do you, what, do you, what are you saying about my Instagram? You don't like it? No, I do. I'm just saying to actually real, really feel the vibe, dude. I'm yeah, here. You know? Yeah, I, I appreciate it's that. It's kind of like you go to the Grand Canyon. You're like, I made it. Yes. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's like pictures only tell you know just a little bit of the story. But yeah. when you actually go somewhere and you get to experience it, right? It, when I walked in, I was like, this is like the first time I went to Hawaii. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, good sir. I'm pretty sure that's our reels. That's the 15 seconds. <laughs> Seriously, straight up, dog. All right, so uh, real quick for people uh, just tuning in, I uh, want you to do a like brief introduction: who you are, what you do, and oh uh, me, yeah, yes, all right, yes. all right, cool. Okay, my name's Rick Thorne. Uh, I'm known as a biker in black. I named myself that from Johnny Cash, the Man in Black. Yes, but I couldn't be the Man in Black because he's a Man in Black, so I'm a Biker in Black. 
I have a band called Good Guys in Black, which is a spawn of Biker in Black. Oh, see the connection? Uh, I also do a cooking show with my son called Cooking with the Thorns. I do TV show. I do movies. I do I do a podcast of my own. Nice. Um, called The Rick Thorns Show. I'm pretty busy, dude. But in this day and age, you you could create anything on your own. Yeah. Why not? Yes. You know? Yes. So- I'm pretty busy all the time, dude. That's uh, you know, that's that is incredible, right? And you know, kind of what you said is like in this day and age, yeah, uh, you can do whatever you want. You have the ability to do anything at your fucking fingertips, yeah. Right? So there's no excuses when you when people say, "Oh, I can't do this" or "I can't do that." It's like, no. If you want to start a podcast, fucking do it right if you yeah. can do it you can do it with a freaking airpod and your in your phone right uh if you if you want to make some music if you want to start a cooking show if you totally. want to do whatever you want uh you have the ability to so there's there's really no excuses is that always who you have been like rick has he always been this just determined person and just constantly different moving? stuff well i think i think to, to comment on what you said as well you know you're able to do all those different things now because of technology. Yes. You know, it's not to say that you couldn't do it back in the day, yeah. but no one would have been able to see it like they can now. Being, I'm 51, and I started riding when I was about 11, things were a lot different, okay? Yeah. And so, and I'm from the Midwest. So to answer your question, like, have I always been the outgoing dude to do multiple stuff? Yes, my interests have been, but that didn't really start to happen until I had mastered my craft as a rider, yeah. as a bike rider. Because then it's like, you, I learned a lot of confidence from that. Like I wasn't born with the, the confidence that I have now. I've learned that yeah. and the self-motivation. I've learned all of those things. And so through bike riding. So if I learn something where I say, okay, I learned a trick. I wrote it down. I'm going to learn this trick. I'm going to think about this trick. This is all I'm going to do. I'm going to try. We didn't have phone pits. We didn't have all this stuff. I'm going to learn this trick. Then after I learned this trick, my, my goal is to go to the best contest with the best people there and pull this trick and get in this world and get recognition that, that what I love to do. Yeah. And those were all the steps. So if you could do that with the trick, well then as I got further along in my life, I'm like, I need to start a band. I can do that with music. I can do this cooking show. So everything I do has spawned from that confidence yeah. that, that BMX has taught me yep. to go, to, to go in. Cause like, look dude, movies, Radio, TV, music, writing, they're all different, yes. but they're all connected. Yeah. So then you learn, you have to study. You want to be an actor? Well, it's different than a host. Yep. So then you have to study acting. So what I'm getting at is that if, for me, when I wanted to do something, I'd get a little taste of it and then I'd study it. Yeah. And then i think about it, you know? So sometimes I'm bombarded though, because I had to shift gears. I raised two kids I had to make sure they're taken care of at the same time on top of all this. Yeah. So it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. But yeah. you know, kind of like what you said is like, once you were able to, uh, you know, you know, master the, the, the biking, right. The, the yeah. BMX, right. Yeah. It was, you know, a lot of times going through life is, uh, and I talk about this all the time is like going through tunnels. Right. Yeah. And most people can't even get past the first tunnel. Right. But there's this crazy thing that happens is if you have the ability to get through that tunnel, that very first core fucking tunnel for you as BMXing, yep. then you're like, wait a minute. 
I can do this. Right? Yeah. I, and, and for me, that was hairdressing, right? Getting into the hair world, right? And, and being able to see that through. And yep. then it was like, oh my gosh, I can do, I can do this. I can do that. But everything up until that point, it was like, I'd reach this point and then I'd just give up. I'd reach this point and I'd give up. But you find this confidence when you actually see something all the way through. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's truly incredible. For, for you, uh, Rick, you know, where did you, you said you grew up uh, in the Midwest, right? Yeah. Where, where, yeah. Did, where did your story start? Well, I'm going to comment on one thing you said yeah. before I tell you that is everything's an extension. Yeah. In other words, like I still ride. It's not like, okay, I reached this point where I ride. I'm like, yeah, I mastered that. Yeah, good. You chumpty notes. <laughs> no, it's like they all go hand in hand. Yeah. And so it's just building your confidence and then realizing that like, and it's, it could be anything like, oh, my car broke down. Oh, how can we fix this? Stop. Exactly. Freak out. And you know, um, I'm from Kansas city, Missouri, born and raised. And I moved out here when I was 27. Okay. But I'd started touring and stuff when I was 15 and touring back then was like, if you did like a state fair for a week or a car show or a boat show, it's like just before TV and stuff It's still pretty like underground, you know? Um, but you know, I started touring when I was 15 and then by the time I'd moved to California, I'd already been here. I'd already been around the world and stuff. And I just felt like in order for me to advance, uh, with my body, you know, the Midwest is brutal yeah. uh, when the winters and stuff, but there was more opportunity because see, when I moved here and if I talk too much, cut me off. No, 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 you're good. You're good. You're good. But when I moved here, I started doing TV. Okay. And so I just had landed a gig with MTV. And so that's right when I moved here. So I stepped in right into the hosting world, even <laughs> though I had been hosting BMX shows. So that enticed me to say, okay, because like, look with riding, I could keep competing my whole life. I did for 25 yeah. years. But you reach a point where you got to do something different. Always. Because I found myself doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Yep. And I'd lost my, doesn't mean I lost a sense of wanting to ride or ever compete again. Maybe I could, yeah, I'll sure compete again. But that's why you do other things. Of course. So to answer your question, I moved out here then because I had that opportunity. I had just broken up in my first marriage and it was, it was a decision. Am I yeah. going to stay here and, and live here with these opportunities? Or I'm seeing all this stuff happening. I got to chase it always. Yeah, that, that, that definitely does happen. And I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Um, for, for you though, before the, before you came out here, right. When you were a kid, it was BMXing was riding bikes. Like how did that even become a thing for you? Just get out of the house. Okay. I mean, like, you know, in the early days, like, I mean, you know, listen, I love my family and well, cause I'm going to raise to talk about this for a second. I don't hold anything against anybody, okay? But as a kid, you don't know. So at the time, my parents got divorced, and uh, my biological father had left, and he was just gone out of the picture. And so it leaves an, a sense of emptiness. Yeah. And so I had that a lot as a kid. I'm not blaming anybody. I don't care. It's, it's maybe who I am. I'm stoked on who I am. It's all good. But I was lucky that I found bike riding. So what happened to me was is that was a way for me to – Get out. Yep. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not coming on here to complain about my mom and my family and shit. I'm not, no, that's not even it. Yeah. No, but some people may interpret that way. Well, for me is I found something that I knew was positive, but didn't really know. I just liked the way it made me feel. Yeah. And it was something that was mine. Yeah. And so we would just ride. And as we kept riding and riding, then I just stumbled along. Like, well, I remember one day I was in 7 Eleven, I found a magazine. But it's on your mind, so you didn't just find it. Your mind took you, you to put that. put it out, yeah. And I'm like, whoa, I saw these dudes riding Pipeline in Del Mar in California and instantly just started California dreaming, you know? Like, that's where I want to be. 
I was like maybe 12. Okay. So, but I'd been riding up until for years, but it was just round, you know? Yeah. And then I got a quarter, built a quarter pipe and shit. And I was like, dude, this is where I'm going to go. And so I just kept putting my mind in it, you know? Yeah. And then you just, then you're in it. You're like, okay, okay, all right. And then you start seeing trick and get ideas and you just, it just becomes. And you're just kind of continue pushing just, just like a kid. But you know, for, there's, there's a lot of people out there, right? You, we all have, uh, and I know that you're like, I, I don't like, you know, I don't want to talk bad about my family. And I, I totally respect no, that. No, I mean, like, there's like, I'm coming on going like, oh, my dad left on yes. show and fuck my parents. That's not what I'm saying. But BMXing no. was an outlet for you. Yes. It was a sense of community, friendship, family. Like yes. it was, you know, with it, so many people go through, I lost my dad at 17, right? I can't Get sit it. here and go, poor me, poor me, poor me, right? If anything, my father leaving, uh, made me the person I am today. Like, pieces of it like just right. it, it fucking pushed me right yeah um and so it's like going through these situations uh i was speaking with mikey taylor last week professional skateboarder i saw right? that on your yeah yeah on your and, and uh and and for him you know skateboarding was about he, he he it was about that community it was about that family right yeah and so especially someone a kid going through something like yourself right it's very, you know, it's just the gravity just sucks you in, right? Because yeah. it, the people around you, you know, like especially like with skateboarding and biking, the the camaraderie is just, uh, it, it's incredible, right? It is, it is, and 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 with 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 with, I mean, that was all of it growing up was the, the camaraderie, your friends, and hanging out. And, yeah, I mean, surprisingly, and people go, and I say that I say surprisingly because people go, you never did drugs. It's like, no, I haven't. Wow. I've never done any hard drugs. I've never done any. I, I didn't drink till I was 27. And when I have drank, it's just been in small spurts. And like, I could do with it or without. It's That's just me. Like, I used riding as something that I found that didn't compare to anything that I, that could ever make me feel the way it does. And that's why I still do it. Yeah. So, So for me, like, the fact that, you know, going through like that sense of like emptiness and that abandonment, riding gave me that like, but I didn't know it. Not I was just time, a, no. I was just a kid, yeah. you know, and so so riding, you know, we advanced with it, yeah. and so it was just dreaming, you know. And what was really cool I want to mention is is my best friend Dennis McCoy. He's a pro BMXer, yeah. OG legend. That's who I grew up with. <laughs> so in 1985, when your best friend becomes the number one pro in the world, and he's the first guy to ever be sponsored outside of California, it's nothing but inspire you, dude. And so clinging to that and, and seeing things happen for him and then dreaming. And I felt like my dreams are closer and closer and this, you know, so it's just like, but you got to take initiative, you know, and yes. you gotta, you can't just, you know, you, like I said, you can't say poor me. You got to like, no, you gotta, you gotta like use for me. Writing was a way for me to use my anger. I'll just yeah. be honest with you. No, I get it in a positive way because I was angry and I was mad and I was, and that was a way for me to release that aggression. But I also was exp like, it was just so beautiful that I didn't even know that's what I was doing. I just stumbled into it. So then, you know, like if I go, I never had a desire to do drugs. I don't, I'm just, that's just me. But like when it comes to drinking and stuff, like that's why I never like relied on that. Like that's I incredible. Cause if people, sorry, sorry to cut you off. No, man. no, do Yeah. Cause I'll keep going. I, no, on no, no, on, no, no. It's, it's fine. But like, um, if people, uh, look at you, right. Or like people look at me, right. Uh, they're going to think, no, he's done drugs. He's definitely done. So drugs, many right? people did. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, and I get that. Right. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm fucking tatted up. Like I've, uh, you know, I, especially like a lot when I was younger, I'd walk into stores, people would follow me around, like just w whatever. Right. And people always judge. It's being uh, yeah. very judgmental. Um, but to hear, you say you know I, I didn't even drink what you said 27, 27. 27 yeah but when i say that sometimes people get like i don't care 
like in other words, like what, what, let me let me rephrase that. If sometimes when I say like people think you're not a party dude, or oh don't kick it with him, or oh he's he's Debbie. No, it's none of the above. I just like I could hang out and go out with my friends, and they could have drinks and me not drink, and I'm not like sitting over there judging them. No, don't judge me because I'm not drinking. Exactly and right. I, I've lost a lot of friends because of that, or like people might not want you around. You it's know? like so weird, right? I mean, I get it, I get it, but at the same time, like. Like, it's just, I remember working in an Olive Garden and I worked there when I graduated, I was 17 and I got a job there and my whole thing was I'm going to be a bike rider. But like, there was, I just graduated high school. There was no future in riding. There was no industry. It was, there was, but it was fucking, it was small, you know? And I remember I used to work as a bus boy and if I, I, I talked him into let me do the whole restaurant so I can get all the tips. I remember I used to make like 30 bucks, 40 bucks a night. But I, that way I could work less days a week yeah. so then I could spend my day riding. So I said, look, instead of me coming here doing splitting it with this, let me just bang it out by myself. And they let me do it. Wow. So people would always say, hey, do you want to go next door to Minsky's Pizza and grab some beers? And I'd be like looking at my pocket of what I made and thinking like, I got to get to this contest. I'm living in my mom's basement. I rode my bike to work and I was like, nah. No, you're smart. And they thought I was like a deadbeat and they didn't understand what I was. my goal was. Yeah. And my goal was just to get to the contest, yeah. just to be in the moment, just to see the pros ride. I want to be a pro. Like that was my deal. You yes. Know? Yes. And uh, yeah, I just remember that. And so I, I get that. I a get lot of people that. pushed me away because they were like, they thought that I was just like some prude dude. I'm not, I'm not trying to preach to you. I do, I do your thing. No, you know? of course. If my you wife, I mean? my wife is uh, the same exact way. She doesn't, uh, she doesn't smoke. She doesn't drink. She's actually allergic to alcohol. Um, and, and she never, like, this has never been her fucking thing. Right. Right. Uh, and she's been able to go out, party, have fun. Right. Um, but it's totally understandable being in your situation, right? How people can look at, especially when you're younger, right? Yeah. Like, especially when you're younger, when you get older, it's like, whatever, it gives a shit, right? It's well, just Rick. I didn't want to rely on that. Like, Oh, my body's like in such pain that I need to take a bottle of pain pills and get addicted to that. Well, good for you. Because that's the route I went through with like your, your father left. My dad died. Very similar. So did you go to the pain pill uh, thing? I fucking, yeah, dude. I went drugs like the whole night. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, and, and it, it does. Right. Um, but I was able to find myself out, right? Yeah. I was able to find find a way. It, and it was so many other things. It wasn't just that. It's also because I was in pain because I have right. something called fibromyalgia. And, what is that? Uh, that um, it's an autoimmune disorder that uh, literally makes your body, like you ever had like a really bad cold, right? Or flu, yeah. right? Yeah. Flu, I mean. COVID, like, no. <laughs> I don't mean to what? laugh. What? <laughs> it was just. So, I mean, <laughs> that's so terrible. I'm laughing right now. What? I'm not laughing. About it. It's just so, but you're correct. Right. Um, so like you have a really bad flu, maybe I guess COVID, uh, your body's like really achy and like, just like, ugh. like that's what my body feels like fucking 24 seven. Right. And, Got it. and so, um, as a kid I had that and I didn't know. Right. And right. so like, I would like take this stuff, it would make me feel better, but I didn't want to take it. Um, and so I tried to get off it right? and I'd get off it and I'd still feel like shit. Uh, and so then eventually I figured everything out. Right. But, um, and so yeah, that's what fibro is. But if for you, you put all your energy in, into biking. Right. And, yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't because it was like, it wasn't because I was like, was getting anything out of it meaning like i wasn't sponsored yeah you know for years riding doing good in contests and not making any money i had to pay my own way to contests it was just i love the way it felt 
it was just a feeling. It was you your know? drug, man. Well, because I think I think life's like a feeling, or it is like like how you feel in life. That's life. That's everything. Like yeah. if you feel alive, you're alive. If you feel down, then that it's not living. You know, it's like you know what I'm saying though. Yeah. Like to me, that's all I was chasing was that way that it made me feel and to be in the moment and to be like, wow, I'm at like the best contest series in the world. Worked my ass off to get here. Let me try my best. I remember the the first time I landed a photo in a magazine because kids nowadays, you know, magazines are kind of extinct almost yeah. for the most part. Um, I was working and well, I, I went to a, a, a stand, you know, new stand and I picked up bike magazine. I was like, Oh no way. They got the new, the new Jersey contest in here, you know, AFA like, Oh, and I landed a photo. Dude, dude, back in the day, if you got a photo in the magazine, that was like- It was this dude. It was everything. And I'm like, dude, I worked at this Olive Garden, bust all these tables, didn't go out, saved my money. Sorry, saved my money, rode my bike to work, learned this trick, like I said earlier, wrote it down, applied it, did good in this contest. Now I landed a photo magazine. I'm going to try to get sponsored. Yes. I'm going to Xerox this and send it into all these companies. <laughs> That's what you had to do, Xerox bro. Xerox it. Yeah, and, no, it's true. And then, you know, cross your fingers. Like, I hope they call you back. Yep, and shit. yep, yep. So, so all right, all it's right. It's just different. I, 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 what age were you? Uh, when I was going down, yeah. I was like, when I got my first photo in a magazine, I was um, 18 years old. Okay, so you're 18 years old. I started when I was 12, so six years. From that point, right? Six years. Well, 11, 18, actually, but yeah. Anyways. Whatever, six, seven years, right? Yeah. Uh, how long was it until you actually got sponsored and what did you actually do to get sponsored? Well, then what happened is, is I took a class in high school called mass media. I talked about this before It was one of the few things in school that I really took out of everything. Um, and it taught me how to do resumes, talking about commercials, talking about like media marketing and stuff. And I didn't know that later on in life, I would apply that even to this day. <laughs> and so I, I just would go to the contest and I felt like, okay, I went to the contest this year. I got the overall at that contest and then I got a photo and then I got a photo in a zine. And then I was able to say, I got a photo in the backyard riding. So I would Xerox three or four photos and just like a little write up about myself. And then the stats of the contest I got this year and then send it in. And then hopefully they would hit you back. So I got on Matt Hoffman's company Jeez. in 1992, but we started doing shows in 81. I'm sorry, 80, sorry, 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 88. And he started his bike company in 92. Okay. But what that meant was I wasn't making any money. Yeah. I, I rode for six years for free for his company. The industries just weren't very lucrative. Yeah. And so X Games. But my first sponsor that I ever got that paid me was Airwalk Shoes. Wow. In 1992. Follow me here. 1992. And... They that means I rode at this point almost eleven years, working my own way, paying my own way, living the dream, right? To getting two hundred dollars a month. Damn. And that paid my rent. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Because I moved to St. Louis, I almost paid my rent. Rent was three hundred bucks. <laughs> so I was like, "Damn, my shoe sponsor's paying my rent. I'm balling, always, dude, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Three hundred dollar rent, dude. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. And Airwalk, man. Airwalk was like the shit. You know, they were cool, dude. They were fucking cool. Like, and I don't, I don't. Know I would still ride. I mean, Airwalk, Airwalk's cool, man. They, you know, they might come back. Who knows? You know what I mean? I hope so. I hope yeah, so. I hope know? so. I hope so. Um, okay, so. Hey, Anyways, I don't know why I even went there. <laughs> no, no, but, but how old were you at that point, right? At that point, 92, I would have been like, let me see, 88 is 18, 19, 
20, 20 uh, 22 or something. Okay. So you're 22 years old, something right? Like that. Uh, and you said you still busting tables uh, in St. Louis. Yeah, uh, well, I moved to St. Louis. And I was busting tables. there. Okay. And, and so like, how were you getting these? Like the, so the way that you were getting the sponsorship deal was like by the Xeroxing and sending your stats. Yep, and the other that. one was power bar. I remember I sent something, Shit, to, dude, I used to love them, dude. I sent, I sent power bar. Like, they were actually my first sponsor, but they didn't pay me. They paid photo incentive. Check this out. Did you get free fucking banana so, power bars? Oh, dude, they were so oh. good. But they gave me mad farts, bro. Those <laughs> were so, anyways, it's thrown out there. But anyhow, so they sent me this package with a hat and a shirt. Because I sent them a resume, and then I didn't see anything for like ever. And then something showed up on my doorstep one day. I was like, what is this? I was like, oh, shit, I'm on Power Bar. And it'd be like, we'll pay you 150 bucks if you get like a half a page or something like that, or like 300 bucks for the full color page. Or, you know, they broke it down 75 bucks for a little black and white photo, blah, blah. So instantly when I got this, I called the bike magazines. And I said, look, do me a favor. Can you shoot a photo of me just in the news section with my Powerball hat on? They're going to pay me 75 bucks. Yes. And they fucking did. And so then I was like, photo incentive. Boom. So everyone knew me. So then even the old videos of me riding, you'll see me like, oh, power bar. Because then I started saying this shit everywhere. Like, and and then, so you just get paid every time. Well, just, but it wasn't that lucrative. Okay. But you'd have to track it down. But it was more like print. Like, like I remember one specifically, I had the power bar hat on and it's just so obvious. It was a blatant like, <laughs> Rick Thorne's riding for Power Bar. And I was like, cha-ching, it's a hundred bucks, man. Yes. Put up, ah. yeah. yeah, but that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, you hustle, bro. And that's the deal. You hustle that and you learn that, that and that, like nowadays it's different. And I think it's great that this sport's like where people can get good and they could do something they love as a career and they didn't have to go through what, what we went through. But at the same time, I got a kick out of it and I got a lot of great stories out of it. Yes. And I'm able to still be in the mix. Yeah. It's a life experience, right? It's, it's business marketing firsthand. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can't teach that in school, you know? No. I mean, you can, but like you got to applying it and then actually seeing it come to life. You're like, Whoa. All right. Like, so it's a trip. Yeah, no, I I I, I totally get that. But 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 looking back is like as you tell these stories, your fucking face just lights up, you know? It's yeah. like it's so fucking cool. Yeah, it's funny, man. Um, it's like it's just like a uh you know, it's just it's just but all of it stemmed, all of the writing was never about that. But you reach a point where you're like, I like to get paid to do this so I can focus on this full time, yeah. you know, and not like because there's there's a thing about or a feeling about like People that are artists in the industry and feeling they may feel weird when they get paid to do something they like to do. Therefore, it's not a job because I've heard that shit my whole life. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it is a job. Yeah. It's just it's a job that you like. Yes. So does that mean that it's not credible because I like it? Yeah. Or am I supposed to do a job I don't like to be considered work? Yep. Even though I don't consider myself no, work. I, I, but, it, but it is. It is. But I consider it, though, I love it so much that that... And that's always been kind of something that you've had to face. And like, that's a dilemma though. like, especially in America, right? I like, mean, a like a band though. Like, Oh, shut up. What are you talking fuck about? You. What are you talking about? Yeah. dude? Like, like the- you enjoy it by putting it in the, in your, in your listening to it and jamming out. Like, you know, how much time and energy and money and creativeness goes into that. Yeah. And then like, if a band wants to make money, they're like a sellout. Like, what are you talking? We get that in, in the sports too. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, what are you talking about, dude? Like- it's so stupid, right? Because <laughs> anyone in their right mind in their situation would do the same thing because I mean, that's the goal, right? Well, whatever it is in life, right? You push forward and you, you, I mean, 
you hope that most people would follow their passion and try to fucking do something to make money out of it. But it, it, it doesn't happen a no. lot of the times. No, right? a lot. 99% of the time. Exactly. You know? So, um, yeah, but like whatever haters are going to hate and right. And it's just, it's, well, it's even, even, even internally though, I've seen it with like different writers and stuff is like, there's a complex of some through the years, not in anybody like right now, but through the years of like, you know, when we, when we started cracking, like, you know, answer your question, have I always done a lot of stuff? When X Games came out, and I I got asked by ESPN, because they saw me do MTV, to do a show. And I, it was a four-year show on ESPN called X Today. It was an hour-long show, and all this stuff was new to them. So they didn't have any direction. So I was kind of like, I guess you could call me like an executive producer, even though I didn't get credits for that. But the industries, like we would go into Burton and show how to make a, skate, a, a snowboard. We'd go to a skateboard, we'd show out a bike. We'd start using all the contacts I had to be a, a, a level, uh, a stage for shows. So we'd wow. be like at the Warp Tour, and I'm hanging out with Caballero, and then we'd throw to a contest and come back to the Warp Tour, and I'm with Sergio Ventura. And then, <laughs> so they started to say, oh, Rick has all these connections at these spots. Let's use where his location is sets. And so as the sports started to grow, we were getting all these opportunities thrown at us. And so for me, it's like ESPN is like, oh, now we want you to do radio. So I did radio for them for nine years. Wow. So now I'd show up and I'd be like, okay, I'm hosting a TV show, but I'm competing. And they also want me to announce the live. And then I'm doing a radio show. <laughs> so I would like go there like locked and load, like bada, 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 bam. And so, but the, there was those opportunities were given to me. Now, what I'm saying is, is that when we were blowing up in the t- early 2000s, people kind of had a weird complex about getting paid doing something you love to do. And you have to like, and it's, that still might happen with some people or some bands or whatever. Sure. But, but it's, it's really just a means to an ends to be able to do what you love. Of to course, do of course. For how long you can. Yeah, that's it. I mean, come on, life is fine. It's a blink of a fucking eye. Right? It is. And so it is. to be able to be a creative, to be able to be an athlete, to be able to do those things and, uh, have it turn into something where someone's willing to pay you. Right. I don't give a shit what anyone else says, right? Do what makes you happy, man. That's, that's the deal. A, that's literally what it comes down to. Um, and if you don't do something that makes you happy, that's on you. Because it, well, it all, you all realize how it makes you feel. I can't, I mean, I don't no, know. That's, yeah, I, that's I, I on you. You can't control anyone else except yourself. Right? Yeah. Um, but to get kind of back to your story, right? Before everything started popping off, right? You, you were, you're kind of getting <laughs> some sponsors, right? Uh, yep. You're like 22, 23. Uh, when did you actually see, like when, you know, I asked Mikey Taylor this question, um, you know, a week ago, it's like, how, like, how does one become a pro skateboarder? Right. Uh, for you, like, how did it turn? Like, when did you become a pro, you know, uh, BMXer? Well, it's, it's different nowadays. The yeah. state people can see now and like, you know, back then it was about competing. It was about that set the bar. If you were amateur or you're pro and competing with the pros. And so it was years of following the contest. I started when I was competing when I was 15. And then I didn't turn pro until 1992. So that's seven years as an amateur. But I got really good when the sport kind of went underground. Like like I call it like the uh the dark ages of okay. it. Because excuse me, it was it was hard to get like all the bike industries took a dump. Bike sales were down. Like in eight, after 1987. So then by 88 came around, I was like winning overalls. I was doing this and this and that and the other. So it was more kind of like, I turned pro in 1992. It was more kind of like, I felt like I'd, 
was winning the overall titles and the vert titles and the amateurs, there was nowhere else for me to go. So I figured like, I'm going to have to go pro now. And there's only like three or four pros at the time. Like Jesus. Dave, that's like it. Matt, Matt Hoffman, Dennis McCoy. Uh, I think Jay Miron was then. Um, Dave Mara. These are the, these are the, and I, these, I, are, these are legends. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, and I'm going to go against these guys. I'm like, damn. So I challenged myself to say, I'm going to go pro. I'm just going to take the plunge because I knew I wasn't going to get anywhere else where I was at. So it was just the end of my journey. No, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge it. I'm going to go. So it was all always about a contest. Okay. Because that kind of assessed your credibility. But as the sport has grown and as technology and YouTube and Instagram and stuff has grown, it's different. Is that like dudes are pro because they have a great video part. So once they get like or, enough followers and shit like that, that or, or that. the credibility of the tricks, people are able to see them because of YouTube. Back then, you could be really good, but you didn't have a. The only way that you had a platform to show your skills was the contest and the magazines. So that was it. So you had to chase that. Wow. Nowadays, you could be get sponsored and be involved and 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 be like a like a lifestyle and an image and a brand, like an influencer too, right? Yeah, a lot totally. Of these kids. Totally. And, and everyone could see your skills off of one YouTube post yeah. or one Instagram post. So it, they're more likely to get, you know, uh, a recognition and be, be into the scene and people so get different, a so get a different, right? Yeah. So different, uh, from the struggle Same with music. And the grind. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's not a bad thing though. It's not a bad thing at all. Right. Like, no. come on. No, it's we not. want, we want to see bigger and better tricks. We want to see bigger and better bands, right? Yeah, man. As a as a human being, as a culture, as a society, right? Uh, but you look back at like the OGs, like yourself, man. The, the the struggle and the shit that you guys had to go through. But it's part of your story. It's who you are, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. But it also created a longevity for me. Yeah, because I know that's gonna, it. yeah. There's no going back, right? So it's like, oh, I know where I'm from. I know what I've been through. I know there's struggles with the injuries and the setbacks and the divorces and not having money and living in my mom's basement and all that shit. Yeah. And when I treat like everything as if it's my first i'm very very grateful like i like to say blessed i'm grateful you say blessed honored all of it like i don't take any of it for granted you know i always feel like i could do something different reinvent yourself yeah. you know look i was the very first monster athlete ever that's crazy tell me about it bro you were the first person to get signed yeah. by monster this not happened me and tony hawk we did an episode of monster garage in Venice, and they took an RV from a, 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 a drink sponsor we rode for at the time, and it was an RV that moved. Okay, so we rode it while it was moving. At, I remember that. That was us. I remember that. I fucking remember that. That was me and Tony. So what happened was, some dude came up and goes, "Hey man, I like your vibe. I like your style. I work for Monster Energy," and he gave me his card. And I'm like, "What is this?" And they said, "Is you know an energy drink." And so I knew about energy drinks. Um, they were new, you know, it was, it was the new thing everybody was talking about, Yeah. but I didn't know about monster. And so I hit him up and, uh, yeah, man, ever since then I've been on the team. Jesus. They're Christ. such a great, like, I'm not just saying this, they're a great company and they're, they're, they've been amazing to me. They're amazing. They're athletes. They're like very, um, you know, they're, they're, I, I feel like there's still a sense of like a family there, you know? Yeah. And, and that really helps a lot. And like, they've always embraced the other things that I've done you know, from like the TV to the music, to touring, to everything. So they've been very supportive. And, and I just think that like, you know, that's a good brand to ride for this like that, that really, uh, and like supports the riders 100%. You know, like when I had backyard set up 
where I'm going to just drop some shit right now because you guys might not know where they filmed an episode of Robin Big. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I never saw that. Yeah. That was my yard. And so they, they, they helped me financially make that, that facility happen. That's why I had the monster logos everywhere. Ah, shit. So they've been, they've been just been real, real, real supportive and like just, I don't know, man, just, just, just feels like it's family to me, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, I, t- I totally get that, man. Yeah, man. I, I totally get that. Um, when, when that all happened, how old were you? When was this? Well, when, when I got sponsored by Monster, yeah. I was probably, well, it's going on 20 years, but they came out in 2009, 2001 or 2002. Yeah, look it up. I think I think it was either 2001 or 2002. And so that and so you were the first person ever to sign. Actually, yeah. While you while you look that up, will you pull up the uh, the the clip of Rick Thorne and uh, Tony Hawk? Fucking yeah, uh, it was the RV Monster, or, Monster Garage. Yeah, Monster yep. Garage. Which, yeah, uh, J- Jason Jesse's show. Damn. I mean, not Jason Jesse, Jesse James. Jason Jesse's a skater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, but he was on that episode too, actually. Uh, as one as one of the builders. Fuck, dude, that's so crazy. Yeah. Um, before all of that happened, uh. What was the moment though? What was the moment from like sponsorship, sponsorship, like where to like everything really started taking off for you? When I moved to California? That was it. Well, in X Games. Because, okay. okay, like I still lived in, uh, I moved to St. Louis. Okay. So I lived, in, I lived in Kansas City up till I was 22, 23. Then I moved to St. Louis for like four years. Didn't work out there. And then I had to make a decision. So, but when X Games, to move, I mean, but when X Games came out, first year was 1995. Okay. Okay. So they invited, like at the time there wasn't even 10 vert pros at the time. I think there was eight vert pros and they used two amateurs to fill up a class. Okay. And that was vert. And so we did that. And so I was like, wow, like all these years of recognition. And here, here's a funny story about first X games. They gave us this remote control car as like a present, like okay. one of the sponsors, like you get right. this in the, they give you a bag of stuff. I think I still have the first bag they gave me. And they're like, Which yo, swag bag. I'm telling you, bro. You yeah. I hit this? No, not at all. Cool. And so I'm like, dude, this is, this is the hustler in me. You know, the, the guy, the guy collecting cans with this bomb on the side of the freeway, you know, finding stuff in trash cans to throw a garage cell. That was me growing up. That was bro. you. Oh yeah. I thought, wait a second. I don't want this remote control car. I don't give a fuck about this thing. I looked it up. Oh, they have them at target. They're 80 bucks. Back then. Holy I was like, shit. I'm returning this bitch. So I took it into Target and I was like, ah, I don't know. I got the receipt. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> no, that was the first X Games run of my winnings. <laughs> now look, now looking back, do you wish you had that? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I kept a lot of stuff, but okay. that, that probably not because it probably just would have went to trash. Anyway. I get that, right? So but, fucking- yeah, it's funny, dude. But um, when things really started happening was after the first X Games, and then people were interested. And then that's when I went to Australia in 1996 in January with Tony Hawk for the Big Day Out Tour. Holy shit. Listen to this freaking lineup. Rage Against the Machine, Porno Papyros. Uh, there's so many bands there. If you know anything about Big Day Out Tour, it's like what Warp Tour is, but it's like the biggest festival in Australia. Okay. So I went from like state fair shows to like 30,000 kids and right next to the main stage. And there's like, you know, Rancid and... It's crazy, dude, bro. It's crazy. Dude. So check this out. And I'm rambling, bro, but I don't care. No, I like this. I like this. There was one show we did where Tony's like, yo, uh, he didn't say what he was going to do, but he just did it because he's Tony Hawk and he's fucking badass. He did. Okay. On Rage Against the Machine, Killing in the Name, he says, fuck you. I want to do what you tell me 16 times. I cover that in my band. I know the song very well. 16 times. Tony did a McTwist every time he said that back to back. 
and flew out at the last part. It was like, you know, and what bro they were all head height it was insane and like we were right next to the stage with rage playing we were like you know like we could make eye contact we were that close and then there's like forty thousand kids and it was like the sickest ever ever and i remember going man tony like i hope they invite us back next year because like here i am like bussing tables and like I'm like taking back like remote control cars for 80 bucks to make rent <laughs> with my $200 airwalk check. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, dude, like I hope they invite us back. So you had this sense of like Green Day was on the radio and punk rock was kind of re back from like, you know, yeah. when I was kids, like the Ramones and and the Clash were, were, were mainstream punk bands, but they went away and now it's coming back. It's like, what the hell? And then like X Games, and then you heard about the Warp Tour. So there's all this excitement in the air and you're dude, in the middle of it. You're just in the fucking. But, but you don't know it. You're just. Yeah. Like taking everything, like wow! If I can get to the next thing, the next thing, you know. And so, yeah, that was it. I mean, after that tour, and then I remember Tony telling me, like, "Yeah, man, I don't know how much longer I can keep doing this." Back then, because we were all, you know, I remember me and Tony did a a, a show in Detroit at a, at a state fair, and Joan Jett was playing on stage. So when a tornado came, and it was crazy. Like we were doing state fair stuff, dude, and like different vibe. We were like a sideshow freak show at these state fairs and stuff. And that's what it was. It was what it is, what it is. But here you are now in this moment, like with, you're going backstage and you're meeting like Rancid and, and Rage Against the Machine. You're kicking it with them. Like, this is insane. This is what I want. Yes. This is the next step. This is the next level. And that's where the excitement for me was. I was blessed to be given those opportunities and then utilize them. Yeah. Here's an example. I know I'm on one. I'm at I'm at Warp Tour. I'm sorry. I'm at the uh, a Big Day Out tour, and I met Kevin Lyman because he was working with Porno for Pyros on that tour. I said, Kevin, you're the one that runs Warp Tour, right? He's like, Yeah. I go, and they just had the first year Warp Tour, and I was like, Dude, can I do next? Can I do this year? Because it was like January. You know? He's like, Yeah, I'll let you do a couple weeks. Awesome. Sure enough, I went there. I took my freaking Power Bar hat. I swear to God, I got, I got on MTV <laughs> News with that shit. I remember I got a check for that shit. And I was like, yo, like, this isn't, it, it just was like one of those things where when you ride and you skate, which you, you probably understand, yeah. the music is such a big part. It's and then huge. To be there in the moment, like this energy was way different than the state fairs. You could just feel it. I was past, I did so many years of that. I was like, I'm putting that behind me, man. I'm going forward. I'm going yes. forward. So, Man, I just got I just got real excited when I talk about that. But that's when it happened. Just just being hanging in with riding yeah. through all the bullshit and all the injuries and and paying your way for everything and following your dream. And then it started to hit. And then when one thing hit, it's like okay. And I tell people all the time, nothing to be hitting, but just hang in there. One thing to hit and it'll spark you, motivate you. And then another thing hit, and like just was the right time, bro, for the mainstream to grab a hold of it and. I was there, and I just I'm very grateful for that. It's that snowball effect, man. 100%. It's that snowball effect, but to get to, as you build that snowball up, man, it is it is hard. It is yeah. hard. You had to struggle, dude. You had to go through a lot of shit, especially back then, because it's so different than it is now, right? Um, but I want to mention this too. We would be on state fairs. Here's an example. We'd be at Texas State Fair. I did this show. I did this this fair for five years. I would make a hundred dollars a day when I rode. When I announced, I'd make 50. So every two days, I'd announce. So that means for every three days, I made 250 bucks. We did four shows a day. We were there all day. We got $15 a day food money. 
follow me. So you go, damn, I just did 96 shows. And what did I make? Like for 24 days, like, I don't know what that is. It's under two grand or something. And then Airwalk goes, Hey, guess what? You want to go to Australia? Uh, we'll pay you, <laughs> we'll pay you three grand for three weeks. You can go to the big day out tour and you get your own room. And it so happens your own room had like jacuzzis in the friggin' living room and shit. It was crazy. It was another eye opener. Cause I was like, damn, I've been grinding. I mean, I no bullshit, like grinding, grinding. And then you get that one taste of something that, that was yeah. different. You felt like you were going up the next level. You're like, hell yeah. So we didn't, we didn't make a whole lot of money doing state. I still had to work. I, I still had to go back home and bust tables. It wasn't like it was enough to like, you know. Yeah, man. So you, you, you were going through this experience where like things were starting to pop off, right? Especially yeah. when you went to Australia, right? It's awesome. Um, do you remember the moment, uh, the very first day when you were, you got to Australia, everything was set up and you were uh, about to do your first sesh? I think what we did is I think right, right when we got there, we did our first big day out show because I think if I remember right, and yeah, it was it was well I'd done the X Games, the yeah. first X Games. So, and and we hadn't done any really big big shows yet. I mean, like if we were at the Texas State Fair, let's say they had bleachers around, there'd probably be a thousand people there. I mean, that's a lot for a fair. The way that we we would attract a lot of people. So I was kind of used to crowds already. But just the size, you know? Yeah, way different. Yeah, way different. And so I remember like just rushing to get on the ramp and just being excited to be actually riding with any music playing live because I had never done that. Well, I, I did at like state fairs. We saw Joan Jett, but she wasn't really actually playing while we were riding. I saw Eddie Money at a state fair. I saw all those fools. But there was never, we were more over by like the pig races. Yeah. That's where we were. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, it was we, just like the, the, the fucking dude, outcast. Talk about hustle. Check this out. <laughs> we, would, we would say that my boy Dennis is the genius. I love Dennis. We, we came up with this thing where we'd be like, yo, let's finagle or let's, let's work out a deal, I mean, with Turkey Lake Jones over there. Turkey Lake Jones. So Rick, look, look, look. <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to say, Rick is say, go get a turkey leg after the show, long as they give us turkey legs. We worked out deals, bro. Yeah. <laughs> we were so, dude, here's a funny one. I, I'm going to put it out there. We rode for Tom Thumb. They sponsored the year we were there. Okay. And they gave us like 15 or $30 gift certificates to give away at each show. Now, we did four shows a day. Yeah. We started thinking that's $120 worth of food a day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is back in like the early 90s. And we're thinking like, we're getting 15 bucks a day, which is like hard to eat on. Three meals a day. Like, yeah, to buy bananas and shit. Like, apples and bring them with you so we started thinking what if we could scam these yeah and we'll ask <laughs> one of the cleanup crew and the audience if they know who got first place at 1988 wayne new jersey vert contest pro no one would know that not at all not at all and the dude would be like and he'd be like you know he'd put his hand up and he'd be like you know he, we had him <laughs> We had him say all kinds of, Dennis McCoy, you know, Matt Hoffman. We're like, you won. And the dude would be like, in like an orange, like vest with like a, like a dust. And a broom. And <laughs> totally come up and get it. And then we'd be like, all right, dude, here's your cut. We got four today. You get one. We get the other. Yes, thing. yes, 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 yes. But it, it's Straight hustle, things. bro. Yeah. Hustle, hustle, Tom hustle. Tom's still got the exposure. They don't care who it's going to, you know? No. I mean? And so once, once the, you know, our homie that put on the show is caught wind of that. They got really mad at us. <laughs> uh, but we were like, you know, like, 
whatever. It was funny. It is what it is, man. I mean, especially those experiences. Hustle, bro. I mean, that, hustle. That's it. That's it. Um, but that's, you know, kind of the name of the game for everything that you've gone through up to the point, right? To, to, cause Australia was like a pivotal moment or pivotal moment. It was, I mean, cause we had done, we, like I said, we had done some shows, but yeah. I'd never, at that point I had never been overseas. Yeah. And so that was my first time and I got to go with Tony, but I knew Tony as like Tony. I didn't know Tony as what the majority of those people in this world would know Tony Hawk. Was he Tony? Tony? Cause he's was been before. the same dude. He's been the same no, dude. No, I guess what I'm saying is that that was before Tony Hawk pro skater came out and yep. all of that. Right. Yep. So that's what I was saying. We were on the ramp and I was like, I hope that they bring us back. And he was like, yeah, I don't know how much longer I can keep doing this. Meaning that like, we were all just like trying to get to that next thing, that next, that next wave of income, that next wave of keeping doing what we love to do going so we could do it. But at the time I was still busting tables. Yeah. That was, that was the one where I was like, okay, 1995, uh, after 1995, that was the year that I quit busting tables. So, so 1995 was the year. So 87, do the math, 88, 89, 90, 91, yeah. 92, 93, 94, 95, eight. eight years. Okay. And so I was like, I could finally quit. I got Airwalk as a shoe sponsor. I just made three grand on this tour. That's going to pay my rent all fucking year. And then I got all these. Now everybody started wanting to do shows. Now there was more state fair shows. And then what I started to notice to change is like the state fair shows started to turn into more music festival shows and then Warp Tour. And then from Warp Tour, there'd be one-off shows. And the next thing I know, I found myself in 1996 being invited to be one of the eight bike riders to present the... BMX and skate and inline skate at the 1996 closing ceremonies of the Olympics. So the next thing I know, I was like, holy shit, that was fast. Wow. Okay. Wow. Because that was, that was the same year. That was 96, 96. I did Australia, right? Then 96, I did a couple of weeks of warp tour. 96, I did X games. Then after that, it was like, okay, we want eight of each sport in front of 80,000 people in that stadium in Atlanta. Dude, it was sick. They wheeled out all the ramps and shit in between commercial break. It was, it was phenomenal. Damn. And we, we sat there in all these, I saw my outfit and you rip off these outfits and we we're all same color code. So BMX was this, dressing this, skate was that, in line that. And it was like the introduction of like these action sports into, so here you are going, I did all that one year. The year before I bust tables and did the X Games. So they, it was steps. And the year before that, I was just, doing the, the industry contest and, and, and paying my way to contest and, you know, busting tables full time and making money here and there at shows. So in 96, it, like that was like, so then my resume went through the roof because now I could be like, oh, wait, I know how to do a resume. That's how I got this. Boom. Now I did Olympics, did the X Games, did Warp Tour, did Big D Out Tour. Boom, bam, bada boom, bada boom. And so then you're like, oh, shit, I just did Warp Tour, but they did an MTV thing. Okay, so technically I've also been on MTV. So then you start to stack it up. And then you, then you send out shit. And this is still before the internet was really big. This was just, this was, this was that moment where just things started 96 rolling. Would have been Cause you year. were part of the wave, man, that really, um, I mean, put action sports on the map. percent. I mean, fucking from, from skateboarding to biking to, to inline skating. Um, it, hold on side question. It, do they still do inline skating in the X games? No, I don't. Uh, I don't, I don't think know if they, they ever. No, did. no I don't but, know if they ever. But did, I think actually. the sport's probably still around. I don't That's, follow I guess, up. But okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. sure it was really big back then. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Uh, it, was, it was bigger. It was bigger than BMX and skate. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Or as far as like the 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 money that was in the sport, yeah, it was really big. Um. Uh. Okay. All right. 
get back to that. But um, so so but yeah, you were part of this wave, man. And so the ninety five, ninety six. Um, you want to hear a funny story about inline skate? Yeah, Can sure. I cut sure. You off? Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. So ninety six uh, to ninety five, we started doing these shows around. I remember I was doing to back up a little bit. I did I did uh, shows at Six Flags in ninety yeah uh, ninety four, and since I lived in St. Louis, I did the ones there. I didn't do the ones out here at this, this magic mountain. And that's where they started to collab all the sports together. And that, I remember me and Tony and Dennis and Dave Mara and all the inline skate crew and everybody. So I became friends with a lot of inline skate dudes. And so as they grew and we grew, I actually rode for an inline skate company for a couple of years called Senate. They were a clothing brand okay. because Arlo Eisenberg was a really good friend of mine and Tom Fry and all these guys we did shows with, they were cool as hell. They were like, because you hang out and shit, and you're like, you inline, you know, inline, a lot of people, you know, don't like inlining, or a lot of people talk crap on it, whatever. But to me, I always looked at it like, man, it's hard for me because I remember everybody talking shit about me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, remember, I think it's dope, man. You no, know, but I remember everybody talking shit like, quit riding your bike, and we had to fight at school all the time, and and us bikers and skaters all got along where I'm from, and like, and like everybody was always trying to tell me to quit, and everybody was always trying to tell me what I was doing was stupid. So then I just felt like, like, man, who am I to say like I don't have to like I don't do it. It's not my thing, but like, but like, what kind of person would you be if you stopped doing something because someone tells you not to do it? Exactly. That, that does something for your soul. That's positive. Yeah. That's positive. I got to say. Yeah. And so for me, I just looked at it like it's not my thing. Like they do their thing, but like I'm not. It's it's not my. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, I totally got. I, I trust. I, 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 I felt totally like a big it. hypocrite yeah. because I didn't want to feel that way, and so I became friends with those guys, and they were they were willing. I mean, they sponsored me, Mike Escamilla, Dennis McCoy, and Dave Mara, and they were a clothing brand. And uh, a lot of people were like, thought it was weird, but at the same time, I looked at it like I'd become friends with these guys yeah. through those six flag shows, and they were really nice to me and. And they were willing to, you know, help support me. Yeah, of course. It was was you being open though, man. It was you being open because it's like, yeah, like skateboarding, biking. But then it was like, I I definitely remember it was like definitely looked down upon. But do you remember when uh, the soaps came out? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The Heelys and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You go a little too far now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. Those are like toys though, really. Like my kids had those and stuff. But like. To a kid, it's like you gotta be stoked. You gotta just cruise around, like not yeah, walk. Just fucking, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The fucking the, the, the soaps mean, were the soaps were cool because you could just like grind on the sidewalks and shit like that. Oh yeah, those like, yeah, not the Heelys, but the yeah, soaps. The, yeah, I never yeah. I, Heelys. I was too I old got it, at that I got point. The soaps, yeah. yeah, the soaps. Yeah, I actually remember uh, my 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 friend back in high school, Olaf. Uh, he was he was amazing at inline skating, and uh, he was amazing with the soaps. And uh, we would always like ditch school during lunch and shit like that. And uh, there was like this ten stair handrail that he would always. hit and this fucking just this one time dude he he just hit it wrong and just his fucking leg went this way his ankle went this way it, yeah it was fucking gnarly and i'm sure it's shit you've seen you know tons of times just being in the sport right yeah um but, but, but I was, and, and I, but yeah i'm with you on 96 though that, sorry sorry i'm going back to that in 96 that's when the senate thing happened too yeah. So you understand that that was yeah. a really like like solid year. Yeah. The injuries. Yeah. Injuries are gnarly. I, no, 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 I got a whole other yeah, thing about yeah. injuries. But that was just on my mind because I never really thought of what you said earlier of like, oh, was that the pivotal year? It would have been. It probably would have been ninety five into ninety six. Exactly. Um, That's that moment, man. But That's dude, that Green Day was big life. on the radio. Like everyone was interested in punk rock. People started dyeing their hair, and it was yes. acceptable. You know, people were getting like you know 
I don't know, like just just punk rock was, it was like just, a, it was, dude. It was, but then punk. all the punkers are like, that ain't punk rock because it's on TV, and then that's like, shut the fuck up, man. Everybody's arguing, but but to me. Then I did. I'm looking at your shirt right now. I remember touring with Blink when they first came out. Yeah, man. Like, uh, we went to. We did Australia. What did we do? Australia, Europe, and the states one year, and that was in '97, I think. So yeah. I do one year of Warp Tour or two weeks in '96, and then the following year they go, "Hey, we want you to do the whole world with us." I was like, "What?" And they're like, "Yeah, we want you to go like to you know, uh, you know, Australia, New Zealand." Hawaii, Japan. No, did we go? No, we didn't go to Japan that year. Uh, all through Europe, and all through the states. And it was like 13, 14 weeks straight. Bro, I recently just got divorced, and I was like, "Count me in." I had no kids, and you know, I was like, "Let's go." And all the bands that you like know of that are big, all yeah. have done the Warp Tour, of course. And it became Warp Tour became like the tour Dude. to do. So Blink, those are all the homies. Uh, and, and and when they first came out, and then you you knew that they were going to be super popular just off the response of them doing the Warp Tour. Yeah. And then Travis joined it, and then it was just like, it's done. Yeah. It's a brand now. It's like done. It's a wrap. But you... You know, I, I met Travis when he played uh, with the Aquabats. Aquabats, yeah. Yeah, and those are other good friends through the Warped Tour. So, you know, just being part of that whole... Counterculture, man. It really helped. Help, like, I was into it, though, you yeah. know, but it really helped me uh, advance different ways. Because then when I started to do TV, I'd be like, oh, I know, homie. We could interview him. Like, really? Like, yeah. Or then when I got into the radio with them, I'd be like, yeah, like, no, I know. these and, and the Warped Tour's coming up, and all these bands are on the tour, too. So it was able... I used, I not your used net, it, but no, I but it was your networking. It was your networking, man. It was, it was the circle of people that you. But it was all new, to, though. Like, oh, excuse yeah. me, punk rock and all these. Blah, blah, but blah. dude, that was the time, man. I remember that moment. I was young, dude. I, I was, um, yeah, I was like 12, 13 years old. You know, I just started getting into skateboarding, right? You know, it was just like, uh, and biking. It was just like a, that, that, that moment, you know, um, that I look back at my life and you were a part of it. Thanks, you were dude. A part of it, and that's huh. just so fucking cool, dude. Awesome, that is so cool. Awesome. I mean, being able to go on that, you know, the the, the warp tour experience all around the world. I mean, it's just so crazy when you look back at an individual's life. Um, if you went back just three years before, right? Three years, three years in '94. If you would have quit biking, imagine. I know. Well, that was a big chance. That look, man. When when I first moved from St. Louis to Huntington Beach, um, I was like, dude. I don't know if I want to go. I'm so heartbroken. Oh my God. I just got divorced, but we didn't get along. And yeah. it was a chance. I remember talking to my mom, like, Oh, crying. Like, Oh no, mom. Like uh, my mom's like, look, dude, if you want to come back, if you don't want to move to California, if you don't want to do this thing for TV, okay, fine. But you're going to miss an opportunity. You might not get again. Yeah. And, and that's already over. And I was like, she's right. And I remember like being upset. I drove out I had a little Honda Civic at the time. And I remember I drove out. And once I got past, like, the Missouri border, yeah, things started to get a little easier. You know, <laughs> but, you know, you're going to Colorado. You're like, yeah, it's so bad. You know what I mean? And yeah. you're crossing over. Well, I don't know what route I took when I go, like, like you know, uh, Nevada or something. I'm like, well, there's Vegas. Cool. I'm feeling kind of good. Once I rolled into Huntington, I was like, who? What, who? Exactly. Who, right? What? Right? It just melts away, right? Later. It just melts away. I mean, but, you know, it, it wasn't meant to be. And we both knew that. And so that was the time that I remember. But, dude, a lot of injuries. I've had a lot of injuries that most people would not want to fucking, like, ever deal with or 
the level of money you're making, you would be like, dude, what are you doing with your life? When I lived, I mean, I've had my face peeled off, my teeth broken, my jaw broken, shoulders torn, knees torn, tore my urethra, lung full of blood. I can go on and on and on. All from biking. Yeah, dude, through the years. I remember one specifically that I hit the corner of a loading dock, like when I lived in St. Louis. That, that relationship was just, it was oil and water, man. And I was young, and I just kind of felt like I, I, I should be married. Because all of my other friends were married, and they'd been married since they were 18, 19, a lot of them. And here I am now, like, you know, 25 or something and not married. And and I just felt like, oh, I'm getting old, and you just keep up with everybody. And I think I got married for the wrong reasons, okay? And I learned the hard way. But I went out riding, and I was in a fight with her, and, and my mind wasn't in it. And I picked this stupid gap to do, and I came up short. And I basically hit the corner of a loading dock with my face. And I hit right underneath my nose. And I stood up, my teeth pop out. So I popped my teeth out. And I was like, it's not my teeth. When I bit down, I felt my face caving in and shit. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And all this fluid was just coming. I was spitting out this fluid that was like salty and bitter. And I was like, what is this shit? Anyway, I went to the doctor. It turns out that like I broke my palate. And I kind of had double vision in my vision. So I broke my eye socket. And uh, I had a hairline crack along my eye socket. It broke in the corner. And then what happens is, is when you break there, it comes and breaks your palate. And then it, <sighs> typically it could it would, could break your jaw. So it'd be like a boom, boom, boom break from what I've been told. But it didn't break all three. It broke two. So I'm like, what does that mean? You know? And they're like, well, go home for a few days and, and let the swelling go down and we're going to have surgery. You <sighs> might lose sense of taste and smell. Now here's, I can't, I can't bite anything down because you could put your thumb in my mouth and move it up and down. Wow. I didn't even know what the fucking, like, <sighs> what the fuck is it? You know, I'm just like, you know, just never thought I'd break that. And so I remember eating and everything just turned to glue. Uh, but I couldn't eat, like just like trying to eat soup and shit. And I lost my sense of taste and smell. And I started crying, dude. I was bummed, bro. That's when I lived in St. Louis getting the 200 bucks a month paycheck. Yeah. This would have been, check this story out. This would have been, is that what happened? <laughs> No, that's how it happened. This happened after I, uh, this wasn't, this was the year of 96. Wow. Check it out. I just did the math. I came home from, from Australia that January. Okay. Competed in the contest to get into the X games was qualified. X games was in June, January, February. It must've been around March <sighs> because in April, May, I healed June. I went to the X games and my, no head was, my face was, I'll tell you that. My face is still swelled up. Exactly. That's just all in 96. Fuck, I'm glad we tapped into this because I never thought of this wow. doing the timeline. Anyhow, so then so then, this is what they did. They said, okay, we need to have surgery. You're fucking, my face was so swelled up. You couldn't even see my chin at that point. They cut my face and the, the inside and lifted my cheeks this way. Oh. And they applied screws and plates that I still have to align my palate so it would mend back together with plates. <laughs> then... I had a hairline crack and a break. So they pull my eye sock out and I have screws right here. You can still see. Now the gnarly part was to stop the leak from my brain. That's what was the fluid going down the back of my throat. No way. And I'd been doing that, but I lost the sense of taste and smell. And I kept spitting out and the fuck it was. I thought it was like mucus or something nasally, but no, it was, it was, it from was your brain. Yeah, dude. So what they did was they cut my head from ear to ear and they pulled my skin down and they took fat from my stomach to stop the leak. Yeah. Who the fuck thinks of this? Now like, check it out. Check it out. I'm so blessed because radiology and the advancement of like this type of stuff had only been around a little bit of time. If this would have happened 30 years ago, I'd be dead. 
Yeah. Because there wouldn't have been a way to fix you. So I've Jeez. I've had like about 15 fucking lives at this point. Dude. So here's the deal. They're like, okay, so I woke up and I had one long stitch across my head. And then I had a tracheotomy and I had double vision. Because uh, at that point, my, my, you know, and I had no sense of taste and smell and my mouth was wired shut. Wow. And they said, okay, go home. It'll go down, you know, blah, 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 you'll heal. But you need to walk around the block and make sure you bring some scissors with you because if you're walking and you throw up, you'll choke on your throat. Or you'll, you'll, cho- you'll, throw, you'll choke on your throw up. So cut the rubber bands, you know, because they were rubber yeah. bands. They're sewer tight. You couldn't open it. I'd have broken before when those were wired shut, but this is like rubber bands. But you couldn't move it. And if you were going to throw up, cut that shit so you don't sure. die. And so I'd walk around and like my head was so big and shit. You're going to crack up on this. So then about a month goes by. St. Louis catches wind that like X Games and there's an X Games pro that competed the first X Games that lives in St. Louis. So the local magazine, I forgot the name of it. It's like LA Weekly, but whatever yeah, yeah. there. I forgot what it's called. They want to do a write They want to do a story on me. So they came to my house and they had me doing a trick on the ground where you roll, it's called a hang five, and you roll on the front wheel on the peg. And I did it going down the hill and I had on my power bar shirt. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, holy shit, I'm going to get saved by bucks. Still hustling. So then I was like, I was like, oh, I got that power bar shit. Like, what's up? Ba-bam. And then I was yes. like, then I went to the second X Games and it was in... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, dude, and my head my head was swelled up still from the injury, and people were like, oh, my God, you're going to go to the X Games. You just had your face peeled off. It was only a few months before, and I'm like, fuck it, I'm going. And uh, I ended up placing seventh and you know, out of 10 and, and didn't get last and did good and pulled my shit, and then I was just like, and and I got on TV, which was always a kick. Yes. It was early, and, and that was a way to keep advancing and moving forward and not use it as like, oh, I used to be. I was like, fuck it, just brush it off. Walk it off. I always thought like, what, what would Clint Eastwood do? Yeah. He'd walk <laughs> that shit off. Exactly. So he just walk it off, bro. And that was that was probably, you know, that was a gnarly one. And it was weird. It was an odd injury because not many people, I've never met anybody who broke their palate or didn't know it. And I learned about my body by fucking, I guess you could say, you know, tearing it up in a way. But yeah. like, I believe that, that God gave you your body to use and 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 technology, you know, bless we able to the, the medicine to, to to get healed and you know might have been able to a hundred years ago. So why not just take the chance and uh, and go for it? Yeah. But I but I didn't. But the thing is, even though I was hurt and stuff, it never crossed my mind that I would quit. Yeah. It never crossed my mind that like is this enough or or am I making enough money or uh, what crossed my mind is like okay, lay in bed, listen to music and think about your run. Yeah. Visualize. Can't ride right now. Cause we learned that like all along this way, we've, we've always worked out and we didn't know it. We were doing plyometric training. We were doing sit-ups and push-ups, working out, but we didn't consider ourselves chocks, but me and Dennis would do that, but we didn't really know, you know, and we, we learned that visualization is so powerful that if you could already see yourself do something, you could do it. Yes. So yes. what I would do yes. Yes. is I would lay in bed and I would visualize like my run, being in the moment, smelling the ramp, the crowd, my music. And then when I got there, I was like, I was already there. You, dude, I love that. It's so <laughs> fucking true. 
It's so true. Yeah, exactly man. what you said. It is so true. Yeah. You have to visualize it, man. You you have to manifest it. I mean, if you really I talk a lot, dude. I'm sorry. No, I love it. I love your stories, man. It's uh it's very intriguing. It's so cool to hear. Um okay, so we're 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 kind of like building up. We're at like 96, 97, broke the pallet, did the X games. Um what came next? Is that Just when more you, more stuff? I mean, we're still When did you what year did you move to California? I moved to California in 97. Okay, so 97, you're, you're okay, you move into California. Yeah, because then we broke up that year in 96. Yeah. And then, and then, and then it was just like, well, actually, we broke up in, in 97. Okay. Because Airwalk brought us back in 97. And that time it was me, Tony, Mike Frazier, and Dennis McCoy. So then they doubled up. We had, so we got to do the tour again. Yeah. And then that's when, there was a lot of complications, like I said, with us. We just weren't made for each other, and and it's all good, you know. But that was the year where I was like, okay, you know, uh, MTV said, hey, we we we're into this X Games stuff, like we're looking for somebody to host this contest we want to do, and I was a candidate, and so I remember being on Warp Tour, and homie from Lagwagon, Chris, I asked him, hey man, can I do like a like MTV wants to see me host and I don't have anything. Um, can, can I, uh, I can't do it. Can I interview you? Oh shit. Okay. Okay. Like as a spoof, you know, so I could send them this tape so they could see. And I was back. You send them like a high eight tape, you know, yeah. you know, whatever. And, uh, I did like a spoof interview with him. So like say, Hey, this is what, cause I didn't really even know what I was doing and I just winged it. And they said, okay, good. You got the gig. Shut like, up. What, what? And so that was like, okay, so I'm in this relationship. We're getting divorced. Went to Australia, did all this. And then like, okay, oh man, I got to, and that's where, that's, that's a pivotal moment. Like, do I stay here and be heartbroken and not take this opportunity or I just pack up and move? There's nothing keeping me here. Yes. You know, go for it. And yes. so that's what happened for me. Um, and then after that, MTV, uh, ESPN saw me do the MTV event and ESPN goes, look, we're doing this show. And we want you to do it. And that was a 98. Damn. So then I'm like, cool. And I remember the first Warp Tour we did, or sorry, the first X Today we did in 98 was at the Warp Tour in Europe. Holy Because I was shit. on tour. Yeah. So then here we are. And then that went for four years. And then by that point, people know what you're doing. And then you just, you just, but, it, but I, like I said, man, I've been really, really blessed, but I've also been things have happened to me organically. No, but you hustled, man. Come on. Like, imagine you had the insight to say, hey, wait a minute. You know, I have this opportunity. Uh, let me go think outside of the box and do a mock interview. And it got you the job. It did. And and it was like, and then I went on to do that job. And guess who I was hosting with? Who? Ice motherfucking tea, bitch. Shut the fuck up. So here I go. Like, oh, okay. Like, now I started to meet these people. <laughs> And the thing about when I started doing TV is I started to interview a lot of people. And then I did, I did a show for Fox as well. And I interviewed a lot of people and musicians that I looked up to. And then I started to realize that like, man, they could do it. I could do it. And Ice-T was one of those people. Um, Not in a bad way, not in a competitive way, not in a comparing way, but you know, I I always put Ice-T on his big, you know, I still do. Like he's, I admire him. I love everything he does. I love Ice-T, I love body count. I love all of his stuff he does, all his acting and everything. And so, when I met him and worked with him, I realized that like he inspired me to go, shit, man, I want to do that. Yeah, you know, I want to have a house in the hills. I want to, I want to be on MTV Cribs. And I set that goal for seven years, and that eventually happened. Believe it or not, 
And I remember going, damn, it took me seven years to get on Cribs. But when, because because I saw Ice T on Cribs and I and I love the guy. He's such a rad person. And and then and then we did the Warp Tour because they did Warp Tour Europe. Body Count Ice T did. So here I'm on tour with them. And so like, oh, remember we did that thing the year before? Yeah, no way, no way. You know, you become friends. And then when you become friends, it was it was you know like I said, I was a kid from Missouri. No, no one in my family was in radio, film, TV, sports, nothing, none of the above. So. You know, you get you get kind of like you're stoked. You're yeah. like, wow, I'm actually doing this. With... And then you start to go, well, I could do it too. Yeah. Oh, wait, I am doing it. Wait yes. a second. Let me, is this happening? Oh, it's kind of that feeling. And that's how I've always been with shit. Yes. Even to this day. Even when you ask me to your podcast, I'm like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. You know, I never think that I'm better than to do something. No, and, and it's, you know it's, it's so, so crazy. No, I, 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 I totally do. Like, and I really appreciate it. Right. I appreciate you coming on. Right. I appreciate, you know, all the people that, that have come on. Yeah. I got a good vibe, dude. It's, it's good. It's, uh, it's, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but, but that being said, it's like you, you set these goals, you manifest these things and they fucking happen, man. They it's happen. Well, listen, man, I started to study some shit. Like I get deep with you. I went through a third divorce. But this time I had two kids. And this time I was like, okay, we need to stop the shit, Rick. Yeah. You don't need anybody. You need to figure out yourself. You need to figure out why you keep in the same situation. Yeah, you got the riding, you got these opportunities, people, you know, you got all this stuff. But intimately and relationship wise, got some problems here because you keep making the same choices. What's your deal? And so I faced myself and I found out about myself that I had a big problem with abandonment people-pleasing, and uh, guilt. So when I said, okay, let's get, how am I going to get rid of these things? How am I going to get rid of like, imagine that combination, self-guilt, people-pleaser, afraid to be alone. That means you're going to do a bunch of shit for somebody and then you're going to people-please them and then they're not going to respect you because all you do is people-please them and then they're going to leave you. And that was the pattern. So I said, okay, let's start. What do we do? What I did is I started to study the brain. I found this guy named Napoleon Hill. He started PMA. All PM punk rockers say PMA. That's Napoleon Hill. He wrote Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. Then I found then I found 10 hours of his lectures for 295 on iTunes. It's actually him talking about the subconscious mind, how it doesn't go to sleep, how it stays awake, yeah. how it believes everything you say and tell it. Takes it 100% true. You could say, I'm tired. It goes, cool, I'll find you more tired. Yep. I'm broke. I'll find you more broke. Yep. That's how it works. So I go, wait a second. If it never goes to sleep... That's why they said never sleep with your TV. Yeah. Because you're listening to all that shit. Yeah. So I started to listen to audiobooks while I slept. Yeah. To reprogram. Yeah. I'm on a mission. This is my new reinvention. And what I learned through all this is law of attraction. Yeah. Esther Hicks. She has a book called uh, Law of Attraction, The Pursuit of Health, Wealth, and Happiness. She channels a spirit called Abram Hicks. Okay. And she talks about like the law of attraction. And then I said, wait a second. The law of attraction goes with the subconscious mind. I'm, I'm, I've been telling this old story. That's why I keep seeing these old results. That's yeah. why it's not changing. Start telling the story you want, not the story you don't want. Yeah. And then I started to realize, wow, that's what's been keeping me confined here. And, and, and it took me a long time. But you tapped into something when you said manifesting yeah. the attraction is the law of attraction is so true. It is so true. And man. it's all in your thoughts and speech. Yeah. 
That's where it all starts. It's exactly where it starts. And I love what you said uh, about, uh, especially about when you start talking about sleeping, right? Uh, because for such a long time, myself, I would sleep uh, with with the TV on, right? Um, I just always, right? Fucking anything from friends to whatever bullshit, right? But the change when I started listening to one sleep frequency like music, right? And then uh, like sleep meditation, right? the type of sleep, the way that you feel when you wake up, it is so fucking different yeah. than anything I ever experienced before uh, as far as when it came to sleep. You yeah. know? And, you know, you, you, I don't know. I've always just been a big believer in energy, like the things yeah. that you put out there. And so you're talking about like the law of attraction. It's like, it's so fucking True. And it sounds so simple to be like, dude, it can't be that simple. No, it is. <laughs> it really is. It's like, it's like, it's how you word things. Yeah. You know, I learned to say like, I don't like to say, or that sounds really hypocritical what I'm getting ready to say. I don't, I'd rather not yeah. say, I don't like that. Or I don't want to do this. I word it like, I'd rather not. Yeah. Or like, dad, can I buy this? I'm broke. Can't buy that. I'm broke. And your subconscious mind doesn't know that you're really not broke and says you're broke and signs more broke. So I say, yep. nah, I'd rather spend my money on something else. Yes. You start to reword things. Yes. And it becomes a practice. Yes. Because the old practice was keeping me in these, you know, can you look up 432 hertz? Just go 432 HZ. Do you know about yeah, this? Yeah, 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 of course. Of you course, said frequency. Yep, yep. And that's one of the frequencies I sleep to. Dude, it, it's I. I Anyone listening? Not four four thirty two hertz. I that's a, a that's the exact frequency I sleep to yeah. every single night. Uh, they got some really good like eight hour YouTube. Dude, you yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I think it's Power Thoughts is the one that I. Uh, to. It might be the same fucking. Uh, well, oh no, I listen to New Thoughts or something like that. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, same same stuff. The man, I I could have five hours of sleep, four hours of sleep. Uh, and if I was listening to friends while I'm sleeping, I'm going to wake up feeling like shit. Yeah. If I have four, five or four hours of sleep, right. Which I don't like doing. Right. But if I did and you I listen to, to four thirty, yeah, sometimes you yeah. have to, I says, I wake up fucking like I'm a goddamn beast. Yeah. Like, it's just insane. Uh, what happens? And so your brain, your subconscious mind does not stop. It does not fucking stop. No, no so, it's like, you could say like, Oh, I think I'm going to be sick. And then like a couple of days later, you're sick. And like, see, I told you, it's like, no, you told yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And tell me. How do you go from yourself. how do you go from like have you ever felt like shit, right? You ever felt like shit and then all of a sudden something happens, right? Something good happens. And all of a sudden you're feeling better. Like you could literally be feeling like death, but then uh good news comes through or fucking whatever. And I know what this is like, especially with my fibro is like I have times where I have flare-ups, right? Right. Um but I have this ability where I can reprogram my brain and reprogram my mind where I could be feeling like shit, but if I just start thinking like this or looking at things like this or just fucking just going this way instead of letting my mind go this way, I'm going to feel 10 times better. Yeah, you are. It's, well, it's really all about what you tell yourself. Yeah. And, and if you've told, if you've been told your life that you're one thing, you could start to believe it. And then you think, oh, and it's effect, you know, if you've told yourself you could do anything, then you're like, oh, okay. Like, I think, I think it's just like, it really is really simple, but us, I think humans, even me at times in my life have, have, you know, it's been difficult. You, you make it a difficult life. Of course. You know, one, one thing, one thing that I could say that helped me sleeping in front of the TV, I used to watch USA Network when I lived with my mom's 
when I was a kid, I was like 12, 11, 11, 12 maybe when this happened. And USA used to have up all night. And it was like, you know, I, I was, I'm old enough before we had cable. So when cable came out, it was like TV all fucking 24 hours. What the fuck? I used to turn it off at midnight. It'd be like just a, yeah. you know, bye. We'll see you tomorrow. And, uh, you know, we didn't have VCRs. We had no access to TV. We just had to fucking hang out and just go to bed, I guess. Anyways, I remember sleeping on the couch and my mom's and I woke up uh, to use the restroom and there was this, this documentary on, a punk rock documentary that little did I know would change my life. And it was called Another State of Mind. Another State of Mind is a documentary that has social distortion, yeah. youth brigade, and they go on tour in a school bus. And it's young Mike Ness. He wrote he wrote Another State of Mind on that tour. Well, anyone you should check it out. Anyone listening, it's called Another State of Mind. Yeah, we pull and, that up. Yeah, Thank you. pull it up. Pull up Mike Ness, Another State of Mind. Well, they'll probably show like or social distortion. They'll probably show the song, but the, the, to say Another State of Mind documentary. Anyhow, uh, I knew about punk rock, and I had like you know a cassette tape of Sex Pistols on one side and Run DMC on the other, but I wasn't really a, a punker yet, you know. Yeah. And I actually have that VHS right there. Okay. The, the I actually have the VHS that Mike Ness signed and Dennis from the band. Holy that shit. Passed away. I'll, I'll, you continue then I'll read. Yeah. Uh, because we did warp tour and I brought it with me and I asked yeah. him to sign it. I eventually interviewed Mike Ness for Fox, believe it or not. Seriously? Yeah. Was, when I he played the Roxy. I believe it actually. No, no, it was dope. Like it, it's like I said when you're on tour people you just become friends, yeah. you know. And so that that was a big deal for me because that documentary changed my life and told me like, oh shit, I want to be punk. Cause Sid and Nancy, that movie came yeah. out a little bit after. Yeah. And I remember like, dude, I'm going to be a punk rocker. After I saw, after I woke up and saw, and then I didn't Sid go back Nancy. to bed. I just was absorbed with this documentary of like these dudes in this tour bus and shit. And I, I went and saw a youth brigade play last year and they, with, uh, with, with TSOL and, yeah. uh, I was talking to Youth Brigade and I told him about the documentary. I'm like, you guys don't realize. They're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm like, no, no, you really don't realize. This the change in my life. Made me who I am today. Isn't that crazy? That's that. Dude, you've had these pivotal moments. It's like waking up, right? And then watching this documentary, right? And, then, crazy. and then the Australia trip, right? And it's then going crazy. through your divorce and coming out here and getting that job with Ice-T. It's like you you, you have these, these moments through your life and it's like, after doing so many of these, you know, these podcasts, um, some of these people that I, I really gravitate towards have a very similar story. It's like these fucking yeah. stepping stones, man. It's well, so you, cool. You want to attract? I didn't know about the law of attraction, yeah. but I studied it, and then I realized, that like, you know, and then you know, to, to back up about like changing, you know, reprogramming your brain and and how you feel about things, you you will you over over the period of, you know, quite a while, I've listened to audiobooks and actually applying stuff, yeah. uh, you would go into a situation and you would see a red flag that you would never see before. You'd be like, oh, oh. Yes. Oh, I see now. Yes. Okay, yes. I always fall for that one. Yeah. Not this time around. No, and it's just Not like, in a mean way, but just no. in a like, oh, okay, I'm being tested right now. Yeah. Got it. Slight okay. little change. Slight little fucking change can yeah. change everything for you. Um, and, and, and so hold on, I just like so people can fucking uh, you know understand what this real quick. Uh, the the plot. Let me just scroll up. Bro, can you scroll up to the top? 
Oh, I want to read this because uh, this is a pivotal thing for you. Another State of Mind film. Another State of Mind is a documentary film made uh, in the summer of 82, chronicling the adventure of two punk uh, bands, Social Distortion and Youth Brigade, as they embark on their first international tr- tour. Along the way, uh, meet up with another progressive punk band, Minor Threat. Yep. Fuck yes. Yep. Uh, whom they hang out with at the Discord house for about a week and end their ill-fated tour. And, you know, what's really cool about it is, is like, you know, I'm a I'm a huge Ian McKay. Like Ian McKay was my dude, because I was straight edge. So I was straight edge. I used yeah. to be able to put X's on my hands and stuff, but I wasn't like you're straight edge and like I'm better than you. I was just like that was the positivity I needed. So Ian McKay is like my he's my favorite. I love that man. Yeah, he's my favorite. Have you ever heard the band Embrace? I have not. Okay, after Minor Threat broke up, he did like a little EP. Well, he did Scoobald and then he did a little EP and Egg Hunt. That's two song EPs, but the actual full album is called Embrace. Shit. And, you know, they say emo rock and sometimes Ian's like, emo rock, we'll say, you know, he'll just see interviews with him. And it's very emotional punk rock before, like, you know, but that's their style. And this is before Fugazi. Shit. So anyone listening and you, like, and you and everybody, Embrace is like probably my favorite punk band of all time like just ian mckay like just he's just he's really ahead of his time he's really smart dude and he's really you know a crazy story on the back of the discord records it's like beecher street you know the classic salad days yeah yeah, yeah, anyone listening they did salad days ep and it's classic them sitting on this porch and i was in dc doing shows i was like i'm gonna go i'm gonna go to this address i'm gonna go find this discord house turns out where we went was not that house. <laughs> it was actually his parents' house. No way. No way, dude. And here's the deal. The mom's like, oh, and it was nothing like that Discord house. Okay. It was a, you know, it was a nice neighborhood. And I was like, wait, are we at the right address? And we knock on the door and his mom's like, oh, Ian wanted me to give these to people that come by. And he had put his like address on the, you know what I mean? And I was like, I, I, I guess you Wait, could say. What? I guess you could say I was like a little stalker kid, but I wasn't stalking. I was just loved minor threat. I'm yes, like, yeah, yeah. I want to go see that Discord house. I wasn't planning on like. You and know, so, wait, his mom gave out little, little, little stack of like Xerox things Ian made of like, hey, this is like the address that my parents. This isn't the house of the you because know, he knew people have been doing that. Holy yeah, shit. dude. And so, and so I was with my one buddy and I felt stupid afterwards, but I thought so I was like, that was awesome. I met Ian's mom, dude. No, that's so fucking cool, <laughs> dude. That's so cool. I love that. I wish you still had that little piece of paper. That yeah, you had, me right? too, bro. Right? It'd be so fucking cool to see. Um, okay, let's bring it back to your story, right? Uh so you're you're you you move out to California. Uh you do when you started doing that show, what was the show called with Ice T? MTV uh Action Sports and Music Awards. No, no, MTV Sports and Music Festival. Okay. That's what it's called. And so you did that for four years? No, no, no. That was a one-off event. Okay. The, the show I did for ESPN for yes. four years. Okay, okay. Sorry. It was called XX Today. Okay. And it was an hour-long show. And that was with? That was with, I was the main host. You were the main host back then. Right? And then we would go to locations and then preferably at events and then throw to like other events. So like I could be like Vance Triple Crown of Skate and be like, oh, I'm here with like Bucky Lassick. What up? Blah, blah, blah. Talk about his run, blah, blah, blah. And then go right now. Uh, we're gonna go to Colorado and we're gonna check out snowboard action because it was all it was it was all new. Yeah. And I remember when I first started doing ESPN, they're like, "Yo, we want you to wear inline skates, put on a, a, a ESPN blue denim button up shirt, and hold a microphone." And I was like, "Okay, check it out. I'm the biker in black. 
I want to be on my bike. I wear all black. And can you give me a lavalier? Meaning, yes. that, you know, a lava. Yeah. And so they're or a lav. And they're like, oh, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> and so I kind of had to take some direction and like to protect. See, I always try to protect as much as I could, like who I was, because I felt like I was putting like our shit out there to the masses and I didn't want to do it like lame, you know, I want to do it with some integrity and dignity and who I was as a person and not just like, I'm the crazy host. Watch me juggle some eggs and uh, and a bowling pin. Uh," Like, like I wasn't trying to be that dude. I was trying to be like, this is their shit and I'm real. And this is, and, and this is, this is the real deal. Not like, so at times I would butt heads because I didn't want them to, you know, this is early on, so I, I don't blame them because they didn't know. No. But I'm glad I was there to help steer steer them in a way to be like, look, a lot of personality goes far in this world, you know? Yeah. And and that's where I kind of developed my host style. Oh, you that's know? so fucking cool, though. Like, and like who would have thought, right? Like, who would have thought? What year was this when you first did it? That, we did the first show in 98. 98? And so we did like Bro. 99, 2000, 2001, 2002. So it was like, that was at the end of 98. So 98 really doesn't count as like a year that I did it, but it started in 98. Look at that, man. Within, Like I said earlier, remember I said, if you would have quit three years, right? Imagine if you would have stopped biking fucking four years, five Bro. years. Like, what the fuck? Bro, I went from, from making nothing yes. to like, you know. Being on fucking cribs, dog. By, like, by, by, well, cribs doesn't pay you anything. No, I know, but, but what but I'm saying. It helps, though. It's a publicity. It, it will, you don't get to go on cribs if you don't have nice things. Right, right. What was weird about my cribs is that I didn't make it about possessions only i love that like i made a skit out of it which i eventually pitched as a tv show to them and it was not the right time it might be right now if you're listening let's do this shit because travis barker just had his show with Shayna, and then robin big was coming out yeah and uh it just didn't fall in a line at the time but i was really good friends with, over there but what had happened was uh what did i tell oh mtv cribs so i put a ramp on my roof a mini ramp. It wasn't there all the time, but I put it there for the show because I knew, like, you know, I'm going to do something cool for this. Uh, I got tattooed for the show. I got my middle finger tattooed, which, hold on, which is a, a skull okay. so I can flip off the world. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I my love mom it. was cracking up. I'm like, yo, I got one your tattoo. And uh, I had Christian Soy was there and, and uh, Heath Penner, bike rider, Mike Ardeline. So I do sessioning on the ramp. Yeah, I got tattooed by Big Island Mike, my homie. Uh, DJ Arrow was DJing. Damn, dude, you made this like a fucking thing. And then I had Travis Barker there with with the homies hanging by the jacuzzi. Yeah, and I and I just got on Famous Stars and Straps. So I looked at that as an opportunity to promote his brand. What's better with him being there? Yeah, of course. And he's you know he's all you know, MTV loves him. So so I looked at it more of like a skit than like this is my room. Uh, just just to uh, look at my new couch. I just felt like my life was more about possessions, and I was looked. I took it like a an entertainer's perspective. Yeah, and I remember I took everything out of my fridge and just put monster. (laughs) I love that. And that's before they had like monster fridges. Yeah. So then, so then, what happened is my cribs made it into the top ten best cribs of all time. So now they're showing it all the time. So now my thing was. I'm always out there. I'm always out there. I'm, I'm relative. I'm doing things and people. And that was what my goal was with that. It wasn't so much like, Hey, you know, I don't have the house anymore, but like, Oh, you know, it just felt weird bragging about. No, you, I get that. You bought, I mean, yeah. like it doesn't make you who you are. No, not it's at cool all. to yeah. have, but yeah. 
I was more about like, this is what my life's really about. No, I love that though. I absolutely love that. And I, you know, it all stems from that one class. Remember that, the class mass that media, took, right? Dude. Mass right? media. It's like, it, telling it, you. it's, it's so fucking funny. Um, I, I don't know. I, I've just recently been looking at like individuals that I meet and, and how in short periods of time, you know, their life changes, right? Their, yeah. their, their life was like this. And then how the fuck did they get to here? Right. And it's just because they continued to push, right? They yeah. just fucking did it. Right. Well, what people do is you're right. You're absolutely right, bro. And what people do is when a new band comes out, people are like, who are these guys? Why, why are they getting all this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. They were about nine years deep with nothing. Exactly. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. yeah, just not like they just didn't, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's some bands that are put together obviously and, yeah. and pop and stuff. And they're, 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 but that, even that person would probably have been doing music for a while. A long time. And then it's like it hit, you know? Yeah. And so it's kind of like it, you know, you, that's what I said earlier, man, you, you're going and, and, and nothing's hitting, nothing's hitting, and you want to give up. Those are the times you go harder because then something's going to happen for you. And then, like, and then you just, if you get a little taste of something, if you're slightest bit grateful at all, you're like, damn, this is cool. Like, I can get a box of power bars for free. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, like, what, dude, this is sick, Tony. Oh, let's get this shit. And then you're like, what? And then, and you're stoked because then you're like, oh, I'm giving 15 bucks a day food money, but. If I eat power bars half the day, I could maybe save some of that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's so true, though. It's so true. Um, okay, so so all right, we're gonna we're gonna bring her back, right? So, um, well, before- I drove my last wife crazy. I'd be like, "Wait a second, you bought this food, this can of like artichoke hearts, and you don't want them? Take them back." She's like, "What?" It was like two fifty a can, but you saw five bucks on the ground. You're gonna make me take these back if you're not gonna eat them. Take them back. <laughs> and she didn't like that. No. But that's crazy, right? Because you can return food, right? Like, if you don't like it, you can return it. I'm just wondering why she bought it in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even want to go there. (laughs) That's a whole nother conversation. Um, Okay, so... uh, Me and her are cool. Me and and my my ex uh, with the kids are way way cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, man. You got to be. Well, especially when you have kids, man. That changes everything, right? We're super cool, actually. Um, How old were you when you had your first kid? 36. Okay, no worries. I talk a lot. Yeah, I know. Seriously. No, 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 30, no, no. no. it's cool. Uh, I was 36. So you're 36 years and old. And then 38. Um, in my story, man, you know, look, like every, everything I stem from isn't, I'm, gonna, I'm reminding myself about stories and about like the past. And so this is a story of a past. If, like you work yourself up, you go through the criticism of the sport, you know, sports starts to take jabs at you because a lot of dudes are jealous because they don't realize that it's more than just what bike trick you're doing. It's like, dude, you have no idea. I'm, I just did triple X. I was in triple X. I was in a video game. I had an action figure. I've saved all my money. I didn't party it away. I bought a house. I invested it. I, 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 these are the things that I was doing. And so naturally people start to get envious because you have, of course, of course. And you have a personality like mine at the time, super loud, super like, you know, ah, and, uh, created a lot of envy. Okay. Well, what had happened was Sports, the economy kind of took a hit in 2007, 2008, right? And a lot of my industry came at me hard. And so once one person started talking shit, an expert talking shit, blah, 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 I ended up like losing a lot of sponsors. Granted, not just because of that, because the economy. And then I got myself in over my head with bills. So I had my house, Beverly Hills, I had for 12 years. I can't afford to keep it. Wife wants to leave. I got two kids. My industry's trying to give me some shit. 
I got really, I got really, really like, because this is back to your story. So let's get to the story. I got really like, uh, fearful. Yeah. This is before digging into my, my audio books and finding all that. Okay. This is what helped me change. And so I had to let go of the house and then they got divorced and whatever couldn't fit in my apartment, 900 square foot apartment in Sherman Oaks. I had to get rid of, and I had my kids pretty much full time. I couldn't tour anymore. Wow. I had to raise my kids. There was no, I have no family out here. Uh, my ex helped, but at the time I had them more. And, and, and I, even to this day, my kids are with me more. And that's fine. It's all good. But I needed to change. And so to go back what I was talking to earlier about everything, about why I haven't, you know, you know, been involved in, in partying like that and stuff, is that that was a part of my life where I could have, like, really lost it. Yeah. Because... I was so let down by the industry. I was so like, what do we do with my kids? And I was so heartbroken. Third marriage now. Fucking, I got kids. And look, man, if I could do it, and anybody listening, we're gonna bring it up. You could do it. Yeah. The thing is, don't get hooked on any of those pills. Don't, don't, don't think partying. Don't run off and meet somebody else. Focus on yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so important, man. And you realize that it's just a house. You get another one. Exactly. And that that goes back to my speech. I don't say I lost my house. I say I lost. A house. Of course. Meaning that there'll be another. Yeah. But at the time, man, that was another another pivotal point in my life. Yeah. Besides all this other shit happening to get to know me. Yeah. Because I always felt like I was running. I was always behind my, my helmet. Yeah. I was always I was always Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then here I am now. Boom. <clears throat> Face yourself. And, and it took work. Yeah. And it, but it's worth it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You're going through that experience at that moment, man, it's got to be so dark. Yeah, because you're cracking and then you're like, not. And then you're like, and then you're trying to lean on your industry and they're like, not having you. And you're like, wait, what happened? Yeah. I'm the same dude. Nothing changed. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, well, I've changed a lot, but as far as like- I'm At not, that moment, yeah, at that moment, yeah. nothing was different. You know, 2006, everything was fine. 2007, 2008, things are different. Um, and I tried to hang on to the house and went through all my savings, went through all of it, and then uh, put it up for short sell. Eventually, short sold it, and like, like I basically ripped through everything that I had to try to keep it. Which, looking back, I probably would have handled it differently, but I learned. And yeah. so, you know, it's it, you can only keep moving forward. And and you know, my point is, is that like, if you keep the clear mind, you're able to accomplish anything man absolutely you know what did you do like you you're going through this super dark period how did you get out of it like what i the just fuck? felt alone well i thought back to like what i felt like with with you know well my dad left and i'm like okay no one gets left behind yeah so it was two dogs a cat and two kids in a 900 square foot apartment and it was not easy but they were little so it was they didn't know different everything was fun um the way that i got out of it was I needed to make a change and not keep, I don't know. Something just led me to like the positive, you know, I've been tattooing positive quotes all over my body as reminders. And so I started to look at my body and said, you need to fucking start living this, you know, especially I got this, like never give up, never give in on my hands. So when I ride, I love that. And I was just like, how many, how many tattoos you got to get before you wake up? Yeah. You know, it's not in the tattoo. It's in, it's in your heart. It's in your brain. It's in your, you, you know? And so 
I just made a decision for my kids because I wanted them to have, I had to rebuild, you know? And uh, it was a point in time where like, I, I could share this because it is what it is. And it is an old story, but I remember it was a point in time where I'm like, Hey, do I got the kids again this weekend. They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Like I had them a lot, like, sometimes full time. Yeah. And I look at my bank account and I, I, I tell this story out of motivation, not out of like anything happening today, but what it was. I still had sponsors. Monster was still sponsoring me, but you know, other sponsors fell off. So it was, it was just struggle to be able to raise two kids off my, off, you know, single that income. I had to still go find other things, you know? And I remember one time I'm like, damn, I got the kids again this weekend, man. That's great. Too bad. I only have 70 cents in my account. Jeez. I'm not kidding you. Luckily they were young. And I was like, we'll do something here. We'll go for a bike ride. We got bikes, right? We don't need to eat out. I'll make some food. It's okay. We'll make fun. We'll have fun. We'll watch some TV. We'll, we'll be with each other. And I was able to pull it off. Yeah. And that went on for a couple of years in the rebuilding because I was still real angry. I was still real heartbroken. I was still like devastated that like I worked for this life and this industry and like this, this house and I thought I was doing things right and I didn't party and I already gave so much to my family and I wanted to build this. And then I was all... Not the family, but, you know, the possessions and the no, relationship wow. and stuff. And so it took me a couple of years. And then once I started to get learn about the attraction, that's when I, and, and I'm reminding myself, this is an old story. I started to learn to tell myself the new story. Yeah. And, not, and, and that's just an old story to motivate not only anybody listening, but myself. I mean, I'm at a point where I was like, okay, how much lettuce do I have? I got to get through this week. Wow. And people, but then you go on the street and people are like, dude, you're sick. Yo, what's up? And Isn't I was like, crazy? dude, I'm like barely getting by right now. I'm trying to survive, but I wouldn't say it. No, you wouldn't. No, 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 but you want to. You want to be like, dude, like help. Yes. You know? Yeah. yeah. You didn't, you didn't let your. <laughs> but I've never really been good to ask for things. I've always felt like if you're good, it'd come to you. I've always had that kind of attitude. Do you think that's held you back at all? Yeah. I kind of ask more now. It's good. You, you should. Yeah, I do. I, I do. I do ask more. Uh, when it comes to stuff, but I, but I bring something to the table. Yes. You know, I bring an idea or bring a, a, something that's cool. Like right now I have a signature sock with merge. Yeah. I got a signature hot sauce. We're working on a signature e-bike. You know what I'm saying? Like cool shit's going on. Dude, the, the, the pictures, remember we were talking earlier. That's not, yeah, signature print with Tony. And so this has been like, you know, I kind of, I kind of, honestly, I think, I think this is what happened. I moved back in this apartment and I had all these VHS tapes and I didn't dub all of them. And I still wish I had the ones I threw away, but I dubbed them on disc. So I have it on disc. Yeah. So I was like, I don't have room to keep this in my house. So some stuff I got rid of, but, but, I, but I have it on disc. So I'm like, okay. And I started looking at these tapes of shit I accomplished and I forgot. Wow. I forgot, dude. I forgot. Like I did that. Oh, I could do that trick. No fucking way. Really? Like I seriously, you... If you're any, if you're like me, you just kind of like do something. And you keep moving. Yes. Yeah. You know, I don't, yep. I don't, I don't have anything on my walls of the past because I used to do that, but now I'm like, fuck it, I'm gonna move forward. You know, yeah. and like, I don't know, it's just me. And so, so like, yeah, I started looking at these tapes and shit, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, well, way. And then I started to rebuild my confidence because I lost it all because I was so devastated, I was so heartbroken, I was so afraid. You know, of like. You know, your daughter crying, going, not two houses, one, not two houses, one. And like, you just don't, you say, it's not your fault. And they're little. Yeah. She was like five or six. No, she was seven. He was five. 
and they were confused. And I remember feeling that way. And no one ever told me that it wasn't my fault. Yeah, no. Man. And so I thought like for a long time that it might be. Yeah. I don't know if it is or not, but maybe. And so I wanted to tell them that. And so I just was still carrying that like, still trying to figure out my, and during it, it was, it was yeah, it was tough years. Dude, it was fucking hard. It was tough. I, I, dude, I And can't. I didn't go to a relationship. I've still been single all these years. Yeah. I didn't, I wanted to devote everything to my kids to raise them because I didn't have a dad like that. And that's how I did it. See, I love that, man. I, I I don't love that, you know, obviously it sucks those those hard times, right? But what you just said, right, is like, you know, a, a, a lot of times, you know, people with, with their family, you're, you're, you're a direct reflection of your mom and dad. And uh, it, it's, it, it's a time and time and time and time again story, every single person, right? And you, you have a parent, a mom, a dad, whatever, and you, you're brought up these certain ways. Yep. Um, and, and a lot of people just follow that path, right? Um, some good, some bad, but especially when it's bad, it's very hard to break away from that, right? Yeah. But for you, right, you looked at that moment like, I'm not going to be that fucking dad. I'm not no. going to be that dad. No, not at all. And, and you, I never have been. Right? And, and and so it's like, it didn't matter if you had 77 cents in your fucking you know, bank or you had $77,000 in your bank account. It doesn't matter. Exactly. You're still going to be fucking awesome dad. Yeah, dude. You know what we did that day? We played with a balloon. Those were the ages where you could see, I could sit and make sure. Right, exactly. Anything. Right? And I was like, but if it, if, you know, not, rather not that ever happened again. If they would have been like these ages now, it would have been. It's hard. Yeah. When they were little, I'm thankful it happened when they were little. That's all I could say because they were easily entertained. entertained. Um, not my kids are, aren't high maintenance or anything like that, but they just changed. Dude, older, it's dude. You know? I was a kid, man. And, um, you know, I remember being 14 years old and, you know, all the way up until that, we lived in big fucking houses and had awesome things and, you know, all this just amazing shit. Right. And then, and then all of a sudden times got very tough for my parents. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, we had to move into a house and then a smaller house, smaller house, and then moved into a small ass condo, right. Or apartment. And so I went from having these like big ass rooms, pools, fucking just, just, monster homes into fucking it's hard very bro. yeah and i didn't and i was 14 15 years old and it just didn't like i was it didn't make sense but you know it is what it is yeah. right it is what it is um well we drive past absolutely dude and i know where you're coming from we drive past the apartment we do memory lane sometimes to the yeah, alley and shit i love that and uh we have good memories there exactly anywhere we ever lived has always been good memories That's, not, that was my point i was gonna get that yeah there's not there's not like oh that and uh, Teenage years are a little harder. It is. I'm being, but, real, I'm being real with you. But I look back Teenage at that girls, moment. like, what? It's definitely. But when they're 30 years old, they're not going to remember that little shit. Like, they're not yeah. going to, like, you You remember the good times. Here's what right? I did, though, with my kids. I we never. Bury the bad. You do. You definitely bury the bad. And with my kids, I never told them my financial situation. Yeah. yeah. I never. That's I think I, I think I said this to my daughter last year, the 70 cent story. And she's like, what? I was like, oh, you know, we got through it. Did you have fun? Yeah. All right. But I don't talk about it much. I never even really told my kids what I did. Yeah. Nah, I felt weird, like bragging and shit. Like, oh, it was in a video game. And I let them figure it out themselves. Yeah, but it's fucking cool, man. It is cool. Come on, man. It's cool. But it's it, not it, it bragging. Cool. I mean, you can brag or you can share stories, right? Yeah. Well, right? They, yeah. I, 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 they know now, but like, but like, you know, uh, yeah, when they were younger, I didn't really. Dude, they should be fucking stoked for their dad. Like they should be like, yeah, my dad good. fucking did this. They're my rad. dad did this. Like, come on, man. No, they're, like, they're rad. You know, but it's, it's also like too. Like if you're like, 
the, the kid of Slayer. You're like, my dad's yeah. fucking whatever. I know, right? You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? It's, it's like your dad's Michael what, Jordan or whatever. That's what right? kids like, are. Like, they're just yeah, kids. It doesn't matter. It, not until you get older, right? Yeah. It's like then you you really realize and appreciate things different. It's so crazy talking to you because, you, you know, we started, you said you're 51 years old, right? I am. You know, my dad passed away when he was 51. And oh, when wow. I looked at him, right, I thought he was old, right? Um, and I look at some 51-year-olds and I'm like, damn, they're fucking old, right? And I'm, I'm 34, right? So it's not that far away. You're 51 and you're, it's like, you're going on 35, dude. <laughs> like, I'm not even joking. Like the well, way you hold yourself and like, well, dude, it's just important. Th- thanks, man. I yeah, think, I love it. I think it's, uh, but that goes back to what I was saying, like, like power of thinking and, and yeah. you know, when I was going through stuff and I, you know, you, your brain could weigh, weigh you down, yeah. make you look older and stuff. Um, just I take care of myself though. You know, I eat good and, and exercise and sit in a sauna, sit in a jacuzzi, I have that stuff so at home important. or like, you know, really just a lot of it's the power of thinking. It is. The mind's more, the body's tough. Like your body can take a lot. Yeah. It really can. I know. It's your mind. And the second that, that anything gets in your mind that's going to weigh it down or pollute it or make you think a negative way, it'll eat you alive. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the power of thinking. Look, you, you, whatever you think of most is what you get. Yeah. Meaning like good or bad. If you think about something bad all the time, well, see, I tested that law of attraction because at the time I wanted to buy a Jeep. Okay. My kids wanted a Jeep. I'm like, all right, let's get a Jeep. I'm going to buy a Jeep. Older Jeep. Let's, you know, the old style, style Jeeps. Let's get a Jeep. And so all of a sudden I'm driving and then everything I saw was a Jeep. I'm sure anyone listens ever done that. Like, dude, you notice like, I just keep seeing freaking Ferraris everywhere because you're thinking about it. And it made me go, oh shit, this works. This works. The subconscious mind works. All I've been talking about, all I've been thinking about is a Jeep. I tested it, and the only thing I'm seeing on the road are Jeeps. Isn't that crazy? People are like, yo, whatever, dude. I'm no. Like, Try it. Try it. Try it. Try it. My one buddy would be like, see, I told you that was going to happen because you're looking at the negative of things. Of course. Of course. Right? <laughs> That's it. That's it. Dude, that is fucking it, right? Because you, you already knew something negative was going to come out of it because you have a negative disposition. It's so, so true. So you're looking at the negative. You missed all the... It's like Bruce Lee point, pointing at the moon. Yes. Don't look at the finger. Look at the moon. You'll yes. miss all the heavenly glow. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Something like that. Yes. Word no, for I get word. it. Good imitation. So that's what I'm saying. Like, like you, 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 if you see the negative, you wake up and you see the negative in things. Well, what do you think you're going to, that's all you're going to get. Oh gosh. It's hard. what you put out there is what you're going to get. And yes. it's like, I talk about this all the time. It's, it, it, it's so fucking true. I mean, I just look at this podcast and like what has happened in, in, in what, just a year's time. Right. You know, it's like anything that you truly want, if you're willing to fucking put the work out there and fucking truly just believe in it man like literally believe in it from your fucking head to your fucking toes <clears throat> it has to be backed up by by hard work like of it, course it you know it's like the the book the secret it's fucking fantastic uh, yeah, that's a good one. Traction. That's a good one. Yep. great right but it's like people are like oh if i just think it is it gonna happen no it, it's way more than that we right? gotta apply it you have so. to apply it right but if you truly think and believe in it the actions are going to fall. It's just going it, 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 to take it, you there. It's going to take you yeah. there, right? Um, and, and it does come down to execution, right? But uh, it, the more you put things out there, like the Jeep, right? The more you put out there, the more it's going to come back in return. Well, and people like confidence. Yeah. You know, in, in our profession, in your profession, you know, yeah. you're, 
in mind. Like people like confident people. They do. They like people that come that they're solid. They come with like results. They like are like, well, maybe we could try to do this, and maybe no. It's like no, this is gonna happen. I'm gonna do. I could do this for you, and and you learn to be more. The, the confidence really plays a big part because if you're not confident, you can think about things, but you know, it's, it's trial and error too. Of course. You know, and, and, and now lately I've been seeing a lot of things that people have been saying on like posts or, or different people like, don't be afraid of failing. You know, failing means that you're going to succeed. Like these motivational speakers, I've seen a few people say that and it's true. Like, you know, like not everything is going to go as planned. No. But that doesn't mean you got to fall off track. No, 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 no. Like, you know what I mean? For for me, like some of my, like some of the biggest things I've learned is from things that I failed from. But uh, I take from that and I don't fall off track. I continue to push forward. Right? I, this is what I fucked up on. This is what I did wrong. And this is what I'm going to do different, right? Yeah. Just like relationships for you. Like we were talking about that Man, earlier, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you have to be self-aware. You have to be able to look within. You have to be able to deflate the ego and look within. And, and yeah. it's like, it's so imperative when it comes to relationships or business, right? Well, relationships too, like it's easy to be with your friends and be like, she sucks and this and that, and she did this to me. And then, and she'd be like, he did this. And this. Yeah. But there's like a reason why you're with that person. Of it's the vibration you sent out. Yeah. They have something you think you needed. And you realize like with me, at least like, I don't need to be taking care of somebody hundred percent. No, I don't. I, I like myself now. I like being alone. I like my alone time. I dig it. You know, I don't feel guilty for a damn thing, dude. I had a six thousand foot, about six thousand square foot house in Orange County. It was bomb, dude. Overlooked in the hills. It's so sick, but I couldn't enjoy it by myself. Yeah, and so I needed to take care of somebody, and then no, I don't feel bad for anything anymore. No. Like I don't, I don't feel guilty for for anything. Like like. like for myself, but I was, I was kind of taught that way growing up that guilt and the guilt's a bitch because, you know, there's a book that I also got called no more Mr. Nice guy. Okay. And it's about taking care of yourself. It's not being mean to other people. It's not being inconsiderate to other people. It's realizing that you're put on this earth to live your life first and you got to take care of yourself in order to take care of anybody else. Yeah. Period. Yes. I've done the people pleasing role and that's just a joke. So in my mind, this book was like, what? It doesn't mean I don't help people. It doesn't mean I don't care about people. It means that like, if I don't like it, I don't want to do it. Dude, if you don't put yourself first, nothing ever good is going to, nothing ever good is going to happen because you have to care about yourself. You have to truly work on yourself. You have to work on the things that you want to work on and you have to be happy, right? Yeah. And, and it's... Yeah, when people say, "Oh, well, fucking, you're just fucking cocky, or you're full of it." No, they say they, they use the word selfish or selfish. There we go. That was the word I was trying to find. It. Thank you yeah. very much. You're selfish. No, I mean well, there I are think, people that are selfish for sure, right? I think I, sometimes I think the people that call people selfish are the selfish ones. Sure, sure, because they're trying to get something out of you that you don't want to produce, and they go, "Dude, you're selfish." It's like, actually, I told you I can't help you. Yeah, you're kind of selfish for not accepting that. Exactly. Just right? saying, right? Right. Just you're saying. honest, right? So many just people saying. are just uh, like you said, people pleasers right and so many people uh don't and society put puts first. a lot of guilt out there they do it's well our society true. like a lot i think a world worldwide probably like there's just like this you know don't feel bad for who i mean like like if you're a good person and you do good things and your intent's good and you like what i'm saying is like you you know you're not doing anything bad to people and stuff no. like 
it's okay. You have to take care of yourself okay. first. It's okay for who you are. Of course. You know? And I, I took it's hard. For, it took me a while for that. Even though I was doing all this stuff. And listen, I brought up the stuff about the past, about the house and the seventy cents and all this shit. Because all this stuff I'm talking about, like '96 on, and all this climbing this shit, you know, fucking riding the wave, like what? And all this stuff's happening to like go back down it, and then and then go. All right, what's next? Like, how did I get out of this? Yeah. All that's been a trip, but here's the deal. Along the way, bike riding feels the same to me. Like, how did I get out of that hard time? I, I, I hit up GoPro and I asked him for a GoPro. And I went out by myself and would shoot my own photos. And then I post them. This is cool. Instagram's cool. I used Instagram as a way to reinvent my career, my life, actually. Yeah. And then I would post like a lot of positivity. People would be like, dude, quit preaching. It's like, dude. I'm not preaching. I'm reminding myself. You know, if you want to take it for what it is, take it. If you don't, then leave it. It's all good. But, and so what I did is along the way, what saved me through all of that is bike riding. I'm telling you, comes that, back to that core. It does because, yeah. and that's the whole reason why I started. So, no, that's amazing. That 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 is amazing. And one thing I want to just kind of like piggyback real quick is like when we're talking about putting yourself first, right? And, yeah. and taking care of yourself first, yeah, right. Uh, when you go on an airplane, right. And you go on, you take some kids, right. Um, what is the thing that they always say? Uh, like if shit goes down, put it on, I, first. Put it on first, Yep. you don't put it on your kids first, even though your kids are probably more important to you than anything else in the world. Right. Um, if you're, if you can't take care of yourself first, you can't take care of anyone else. And even if you were to take care of them first, right. Yeah. And you've been doing that forever and they know it they probably wouldn't respect you. Well, that's true too. Because there's a thing about people pleasing that you don't respect. And I, I know that's in this book, uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy, is that if you, well, if you, this is what it said in the book, and I agree with it. If you people please a girl, she's going to not respect you because it sends a message that you can't even take care of yourself. Yeah. And girls look for security. Yeah. Uh, we do too. Men do too in relationships. We, yeah. we all do. That's where yeah. you're in a relationship. And so with that, really opened my eyes for like, Whoa, I can't be that way with my kids. Yeah. And I've caught myself being that way with my kids. And I'll be like, okay, wait, because I love them. We're not doing that today. And then you end up doing it because, you know, like, damn, this is a cool thing. You know, we got to yeah. live life. And then but it's hard for me to be like, no. And now I'm reaching the point where I'm like, but sometimes yeah. you have to be, man. I know. Yeah, you have to. You can't but they, say res- everything. They, they respect you for that. Yeah. In the, in the moment, they're like, ah, fuck you, dad. Right. But then they, the just funny thing happens as time goes on. They you take say, away, if you take yeah. things away, they respect you more. And so it makes me think like the next time I go to get in a relationship, because I've been doing, I've been, I'm, I'm going on one right now, but I've been thinking about like, my kids are going to eventually move on. Not in a bad way, but they're going to want their own life and their own well, of course. independence. And their all, own, we all do. Right? We all do. Right. What's next for me? I mean, I've been single eight years. I'd be, I'm 50 years old. I'm 51. I'm tattooed. I ride bikes. Yeah. So hear me out. Girls don't really dig my my age, dig me. They don't they think you don't work. I'm not saying all. I'm just saying I'm not saying all. I got but it. I'm saying I've been really I had a hard time with that recently because my daughter was moving with her friends, went to hang out with her friends more and like, where's my road dog? Yeah. And that was hard because I made them my everything. So I've learned to like let go yeah. and let them do their thing. But then you start thinking, Well, what's next for me? Do I want to be fifty, sixty years old, single? Yeah, and alone. 
Uh, yeah. But it might not be. I might be 50, 60 on the road in a punk band tearing shit up. There we go. Right. You know, I'm just saying, like, what's next for me? Yeah. Because I've, it has been a huge sacrifice that I've chose yeah. to raise them this way. It's your next chapter. Yeah. You know? it's, yeah. It's like you have these these iterations throughout your life, right? I think it's funny, though. When you're like, you ride a bike. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. People yeah. just don't get it. Yeah. People, I mean... You know, most most fifty year olds, fucking. You know, I. It, it's just, it's just. I'll be it's at the awesome. bingo hall and shit, jumping up on the, jumping on my bike, doing hops. What up, ladies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you go around and get your chicks, man. No, but it's fucking crazy, right? I mean, dude, when when you were younger, did you? How did you look at fifty year olds, right? Like, what? Did I you mean, do? my mom always seemed old to me because she was your mom. You know, like the parents always seem older because they're your parents. But when I do, like, I look back when I was fifteen, it's like. I mean, my mom was like 37, maybe. Dude, if... Like, that's not... You know what I mean? Like, she's, she would be like your age. Yeah. And I'm like, but I see you. You seem like a kid to me. You know what I mean? Even though you're an adult. Yeah. But like, like it just... I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't really like think... I never was in a hurry to be old. Because I believe that... I tell my kids this. Don't be in a hurry to be old. Yeah. Because you just want to wish to be young again. Yeah. Why do you want to live like that? Drinking's really not that big of a deal. It's fine. You'll be fine. You'll reach it. You'll be okay. Yeah. It's not, don't make that your priority. It, it just seemed be. like that was a way in high school. Like, can't wait. I'm 21. I legally drink. It's you're, like, you're right. You're right. And it's cool. Like, that's your deal. But I never thought like that. I was like, oh, I'm not really in a hurry. Like, uh, it's going to happen. Ho- hopefully it'll happen if yeah. I'm not, if I'm lucky. And like, and I'm just thinking like, and I think that that's why I look young. I'm in BMX. I'm in music. I'm a fountain of youth. I think my mind thinks like tricks and shit I'm going to do. I don't, I'm not stressing about that other shit, I guess. Do you, you think know? your kids look at you and think you're old? <laughs> no, they know I'm not. Exactly. They say like, dude, oh, some of my parents' dads. I'm like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. So right? you got something to look forward right? to. And you had them at 36, right? 36 for her and 38 for him. And, so and my ex-wife is hot, by the way. I will say she's like, she's Brazilian, blonde hair, blue eyed Brazilian. She's absolutely to this day gorgeous. So my kids... Good my good kids. looking looks and hers, they're knockouts, dude. I love He's that. He's a little stud, you know? I love that. I but, love that. But my daughter, I'm like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> now you're going through this like weird point where you have to let go though, right? You're, you, you. I trust her though. I raised her, I raised her really good and she doesn't do any of the bad stuff. Yeah. Um, kids aren't going to tell you everything. Oh, of course not. But I know for a fact, some things let, like this, Kids have probably done way worse stuff at her age. She's a really good kid. Yeah. Um, she's actually amazing. Um, we went surfing today in Malibu. Yeah, right. dude, that's awesome. She kills, I fucking love that. She kills it. I love that, man. But there, but it changes, man. It's just humans, and girls go through it quicker. My son would go through it about fifteen. Yeah. Get a little mustache, thinking he's you know, thinking he's, he's shit. king shit. Yeah. So, I, already, I, already <laughs> I know. I get it. No, but it's so cool, man. Because you had your you had your kid. You had your kids at a little bit of an older age, not 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 young, not too old, right? Not, I'm glad it happened that way. But because you got to live your life. I did, and then they kept me young. And my my, my I don't really Boom. say older, but like no, man, because I, I you, you might be fifty one, but I don't look at you as a fifty one year old, right? I I just think I, it's like a sport. It's like us old school punk rockers and skaters and riders and stuff. I think we're just from that generation where like we're just very youthful spirits. Yes, you know. Yeah, even like you look at some punk rockers, you're like, dude, you still look fucking great. Yeah, you know. Yes, exactly. Right. You know. Dude, I mean, dude, you even look at fucking like Paul McCartney and and uh, like those fuckers, like fucking being in their eighties and shit like that, and just like. 
Hey, he could fuck. afford plastic surgery and shit. What? He could afford facelifts. Well, yeah, that's no, true. Kidding. I mean, well, no, 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 for sure, for sure. But it, it, beyond that, it's the um the, the spirit and the attitude. And I think so, right? And so, like, I different type of music, right? But but still, like, I think that I think it's he, someone like Iggy Pop. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Okay, he's older and he looks older, but I don't feel like he's an old dude when I see him. Yeah. I feel like that's Iggy Pop, man. He's fucking cool. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or like Billy Idol. Yeah. Exactly. Which he still looks great, but like you see Billy Idol, I'm like, dude, you're fucking like Billy Idol. And what is he like in his seventies or whatever, right? Yeah, fucking, yeah. Can you look that up actually? Billy Idol? How old he is? I want to see that. Um, yeah, dude, he's fucking he's he's got such good music, man. Yeah, it's I mean I think it's uh, it's all how you hold yourself and present yourself. It's your mind though. Really, yeah. like we were talking earlier, I think a lot of it has to go Oh shit, he's sixty five. Fuck. I was completely wrong. Well, still though. Yeah, I mean, he's, still. He, yeah. Still. I don't know, I got this weird thing in my head where sixties is definitely not getting old yet. I think like seventies, eighties, like but but once again, it's like state of mind, right? Yeah, but life goes by so fast, dude. It does. You know, like, look, it says Adamant 66, Billy Joel 71. Yeah, but like, it, oh, crazy. shit, yeah. Uptown, yeah. girl. Dude, that's crazy. Um, okay, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> um, as, as we start to wrap this up, though, um, what is what does this next iteration look like? What the fuck are you up to now? Well, 51 years old, like, what are you doing? Riding, still hardcore. Still learning, still writing. Um, I have a cooking show I started with my son called Cooking with What's the What's that Bonds. all about? It's just, you know, we bond. I, I believe cooking with your family is, is a way, f- or your girlfriend, or your husband, or your boyfriend, or whatever, your wife, whatever, your kids, your grandparents, whatever. You you can bond with cooking. And so me and my son have bonded a lot. That, that's something that was ours. Yeah. That like, what things with your kids that you have one-on-one? Listen, when you're a single parent and you have two kids, it's hard to accommodate for both of them being one dude. Yeah. So without the other one getting their feelings hurt. So you have to like adjust. So we came with the show cause I've always cooked. I had to, when we got divorced to feed them. And then I learned that like I was cooking stuff, but the same thing over and over. So then when we started the show, we started to make our own sauces, our own everything from scratch. Wow. I'd never done it. He had never done it. Then he's, he's doing shit. I didn't think I ever do. Yo dad, check out these chicken wings. Like what? <laughs> you made these hot wings and shit? Yeah. They he made them on his own, bro. And I'm like, what? This is sick. It's just something we're doing right now. Hopefully it can go somewhere. But also my band, Good Guys in Black. New song, Invincible, is on Sirius XM, which I'm fucking stoked about. Good job, man. Thank you. And then as far as that, like uh with sponsors, I got you know, I mentioned signature stuff here and there. I'm always working with sponsors. And I just did a movie during COVID with Andy Dick and uh What's uh, what's that, what's her name? Uh, Roberts, Eric Roberts. Okay. Yeah, it was cool. Um, I'm always doing stuff, creating stuff, um, nonstop busy. You know what I mean? And just riding alone, you know, and and keeping all your opportunities open, and you know, working on some other stuff with these other companies, signature e bike. I love that. I'm working on this company right now. Where they 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 make portable ramps. Little ramps, kickers and shit. Oh, shit. So we're working on some signature line with them. I can't say who it is, but... Oh, okay. Yeah, because nothing is set at all, but these are just tentative things. So I'm always hustling, you know, from... uh, I I feel like I became my own brand and my own lifestyle brand, and so I could go into different things. I was doing stand-up comedy for a while right before COVID. It's the best. I love that. it's the best. It's the best. Oh, my gosh. You ever bombed? Yeah. That's how you learn. Dude, you realize right off the bat, jokes that you do with your friends don't fucking work 
in a crowd of people that don't know you. Do you know what I mean? You're like, wait. I'm sorry. That was my kid. I was like, wait. Like, this shit, I'm fucking bombing. And then you just start to figure it out. Uh, I got to do Kill Tony. Do you know Kill Tony? Yeah, of course. I got to be guest, bro. No way. That's awesome. And, and all those dudes, like, it's all, we're all know, like, yeah. know each other. Yeah, but I didn't know them, right? and they knew me, and then we... And then we all mesh, and then my buddy works at the comedy store. So I was able to sit like up above the audience and watch the comedians and study them and go back and like, meet Bill Burr and Tom Segura. And, Rogan. It's amazing. Dude, it's amazing. And so I'm into this. So I got to perform at the comedy store and I got to do Kill Tony. It's hard on Kill Tony, dude, because if you're a comedian that tells like two or three jokes, one liners, it's perfect. It's a minute. Yeah. But I talk and build up to a joke. It's hard yeah. to get a minute in, you know. But they were nice to me. They gave you the opportunity. I was stoked, bro. So anyways, to answer your question, all the above. I love that. And I got a podcast. <clears throat> I just interviewed Sin Dog for my podcast, which was cool. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, man. Awesome. What's the podcast called? The Rick Thorne Show. Nice. But I do it like, here's the deal with me the podcast. I need to get past this. I did one ESPN for years, right? And then when... That ended, podcast was new, and I was like, this is before it was this easy to do a podcast. Yeah. And I started it, but I was like, I was discouraged because I wasn't making any money at it. Yeah. After I was making money at it, and I just didn't do it. No, I get that. I know that. it sounds stupid, but now I'm like, I do my podcast when it works in my schedule because I edit it all myself. And that's so, with all everything that I have, I try to do one a month. It's not that much, but I try. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And where can they, uh, where can people watch it? Just listen. Uh, Spotify. Perfect. It's all of it. Good guys in black. Same thing. So I love that, man. Thank you for the opportunity. To listen to my fucking crazy story. No, nah, man. I absolutely love it. It's <laughs> been a blast. I, uh, I, I had no idea that you live so close. We definitely got to get together, man. We got to yeah. go riding fucking e-bikes. And, Let's do it, yeah, dude. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's do it. Awesome. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Thank you again, man. From the bottom of my heart. I appreciate it. And, Thank you. uh, let's just keep on rocking. Cool, brother. Have All right, man. Stay rad. Woo! All right. Boom! Wowzers, thank you so much for tuning in. No, this is not the ending, or is it the beginning? Which one is it, ladies and gentlemen? No, 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 this is the end. You've made it all the way through to the end of the podcast, and I thank you guys so much, and I thank Rick for coming on to share his incredible story. He has one hell of a journey. It was it was a blast getting to sit down and talk with him. Do not forget, ladies and gentlemen, to like, subscribe, share this podcast with a family member, friend, or foe. You can always head over to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com backslash back to your story. Catch exclusive content. And uh, every single one of our podcasts is now posted uh, up there so you guys can watch it. Definitely head over there and check it out. We got a lot of great things coming down the pipeline. We got Scummy uh, coming up next week. And after that, we got the world-renowned tattoo artist. Ouch. Can't wait for that one. And we're going to close this out. We're going to close this podcast out with a badass song from Rick Thorne, his band called Good Guys in Black, and it's his new hit song, Invincible. Have a good night, people. Mooches! No